So what t-shirt king in your collection seems missing, strangely absent? Um, I'd say an all-over print tee and maybe a, a werewolf of Harlem tee. That's wow. Cool. That's specific. <laughs> but you're in luck, because our good friend and intro-outro extraordinaire Brian Kirby, he has a werewolf of Harlem t-shirt. Fancy that. Funny that we bring up this subject in a discussion that is just casual chat and not recording a promo spot for shelflifeclothing.com at all. That also had many Asian themed t-shirts including my personal favorite the Peking Opera Blues t-shirt. We're just casually chatting about shelflifeclothing.com. I shop at shelflifeclothing.com because they are so great. That's right King. And listeners, this has been a perfectly normal spontaneous conversation about shelflifeclothing.com. Bye 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 bye. At shelflifeclothing.com and roll it. It's this week in sleaze with your hosts, King Who and Sleazy K. This podcast has been rated category three. No one under 18 may be permitted. So we got to balance the Charlie Cho discussion a little bit that is usually light when we start these shows and talk of a little, little, little bit when Charlie Cho was not fun, then when Charlie Cho was not cool. And it's he's, he's always cool, Ken. Come on. He's always cool. Slow motion rave for 10, 15 minutes in Whole Fun's Hidden Desire isn't necessarily cool. <laughs> he was in his tiny, tidy whiteies. That, that's just cool. I'm not doing the show with you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Even the 10-minute Charlie Cho slow-motion rape scene with his tidy whities that's great stuff. That's, that's classic Hong Kong cinema. Right. Well, it's obviously not meant to excite, and it's quite <laughs> Im- impactful, if you will, that uh, scene in Hidden Desire. It's tough. Uh, but, but, you know, it, it speaks to his versatility that he can appear mean as well. Oh, sure. You know. Did you ever find out the name of the movie that you posted a clip of on your blog? It no, was just a, mu- yeah, I know, I know. a, a facial <laughs> shot of Charlie Cho lubing up something and then <laughs> yeah. with a mean face. Very angry. Walking yeah, I, off I don't screen what, to don't uh, like a woman in distress. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what that one was. I, I, wish, I, I wish I did. That's he one looked, that I haven't seen. He looked genuinely like, whoa. The evil, uh, right? Yeah, really? scared. I, I reckon that was like. Late nineties movie. It looked like almost. He looked a bit older then. Yeah, that's so, possible. That's possible. Yeah, There's a, you know. t- a ton of movies to choose from that you know that are unearthed uh, as far as Charlie Cho's career. Yeah, well, well as I uh, as I said on the V Cinema show that uh, I was on with uh, Stu and we talked about origins and Charlie Cho did come up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I heard. I heard. Uh, it's it's impossible to like choose uh, and then which is your favorite Charlie Cho movie and I I couldn't figure out when I first noticed him either. So so did yeah. you ever figure out when the f- what was the first movie where you, where it sank in that this guy peeps and fucks a lot in movies? I have no idea. Huh. Have I, no idea. He's been so, so much crap. Yeah, I, I don't I I don't know where I first noticed him. I don't know. I have no clue. No clue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad that I you know he's part of my uh, my world. <laughs> and we're part of your world listeners and this is this week in sleaze number four thank you very much for the feedback and comments and uh, support so far it's really been uh, very encouraging and mind-blowing the the impact uh, some of these episodes has had on uh, you people so thank you very much for that 
And uh, we, of course, this weekend's lease is part of the Podcast on Fire network, which is located at podcastonfire.com. You can also visit the forum and uh, interact with uh, the hosts, including Stu and me and King, which are the hosts. We are free. Uh, and, and Mike Mann occasionally. On the forum that is located at podcastonfire.com slash forum. We're also on Twitter, twitter.com slash podcastonfire. Uh, me, Sleazy K, is the uh, writer of So Good Reviews. So I am therefore at sogoodreviews.com. My Twitter address as, is at twitter.com slash sogoodreviews. And finally, my video review site is sleazykvideo.com. So give us your URL, King, and uh, what's been going on on the blog recently? Um, not much has been going on the blog. The blog is Bullets Over Chinatown. You can find that at inthemoodforguaylo.blogspot.com. Once again, Guaylo is G-W-A-I-L-O. And uh, not much has been going on the blog. I've been kind of lazy just uh, winging it. You know, some Shaw Brothers movies recently, so... Yeah, yeah, from uh, from Glenn, my my good friend Glenn, my good uh, blogosphere Facebook friend Glenn. He's a really, really good guy, trying to trying to move to Hong Kong and uh, selling off some of his... Uh, his, uh, his wares to make uh, the transition to Hong Kong to lighten his load a bit. So uh, trying to get him there, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he got sex for sale. I saw him on the pictures on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. So that that goes on my uh, to-watch pile, <laughs> right on top. <laughs> it sounds like a whole fun movie. It probably isn't, but uh, it sounds like a typical Shaw Brothers whole fun movie. But uh, yeah, you, yeah. you never know. Uh, the title is enough to, you know, intrigue me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you can easily take a chance on a movie sure. like that. Right though. What is this weekend's list for about? What is the movie we're talking about? Well, you asked, and we're going to answer now. Naked Killer. Clarence Woo-hoo! Fox, 1992 movie Naked Killer, produced by Wong Jing and written by Wong Jing. Uh, the legendary cult classic Naked Killer. Probably cult classic for the movie, 50%, and maybe the other 50% is for the promo art, the very famous mm-hmm. promo art. Indeed. And, uh, that's not a bad thing. Better than a, the movie, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the movie. I think the movie is uh, <laughs> equally good, uh, but we'll, oh, so we'll, sure, sure, sure. We'll get we'll get into that. But, um, n- it's important, I think, uh, for me to uh, for us rather to to bring up this movie as well. It's uh, it's equally a uh, vital part of the category of canon Although compared to all the true crime flicks and the mm. cheap sex movies that followed it, it it is kind of different. It uh, brings a whole lot of more craftsmanship right, uh, style yeah definitely so uh, i think that's an edge it has uh, in addition to uh, a viciously fantastic terrific uh promo um uh promo art and uh, trailer as well so we'll get into that what background is there to naked killer well uh, you, you as always you can track back to you know past eras when uh, talking about the these movies when you can track back to when exploitation first started and then connect the dots to the 90s, if you will. But the track back we're going to do with this one is the fact that director Clarence Fock, or Clarence Ford, as he's also known, uh, his uh, father had an English name when he moved to, well, took an English name uh, when he moved to uh, to the UK. So uh, eventually Clarence got to be known as Ford as well. Even on Hong Kong prints, I think Ford mm. is on there. Uh, but, but it's simply. I thought he uh, just admired John Ford a lot and changed his name. That would be a good story too. <laughs> that uh, would be a great story. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep referring to him as uh, Clarence Fock. Yeah, his uh, Chinese name. I, think I like Fock, that. Uh, it sounds uh, dirtier too. Yep. 
<laughs> these fuck movies. <laughs> um, um, uh, a movie Naked Killer directed by a fuck? <laughs> I want I want to see that movie. <laughs> Sold. Well, well, his idea, though, in combination with Wong Jing, well, was to make kind of an updated version of Cho Yun's 1972 Shaw Brothers classic, Intimate Confessions of a Chinese Courtesan. Uh, but Wong Jing, though, producer and writer of Naked Killer, had seen Paul Verhoeven's Basic Instinct. Mm-hmm. And you can also argue that mixed into all of this is a little bit of Luc Besson's uh, La Femme Nikita. Mm-hmm. And then you have the elements to this 1992 erotic thriller action uh, starring Ching Miao, Simon Yam, and Carrie M. Uh, and uh, some bit plays we'll get into as well. And uh, there's an interview with uh, Clarence on uh, various DVDs of the film, including the UK special edition and the Region 1 released by Fox, which is uh, cut though, as I'll detail uh, later in the show. So Clarence talks about seeing the Choyun movie for the first time and the impact it had on it on him. It essentially introduced him to to the the to to lesbians, if you will, lesbianism. <laughs> Uh, introduced that to his brain and to his uh, vocabulary, uh, but, but also how you know there, there's a story in this. It's a re- it's a revenge film, uh, but but it's also about you know a, a woman being uh, recreated in a brothel. You know, a new woman is created, a kind of a desensitized woman in the brothel, and it's true also in Naked Killer. So that that was very strong to him. He, pro- he probably thought like the, this is a very empowering movie, despite being an exploitation movie. Right. And, uh, of course, that movie, along with dozens of Shaw Brothers movies, had The Elegance as well. It's an incredibly well-crafted movie, Intimate Confessions of a Chinese Courtesan, and kick-ass gory, and just amazing, absolutely amazing. So all of that trickled into Clarence's vision, too. And when you switch to Wong Jing, this was Naked Killer was the first movie for his production company called Wong Jing's Workshop. Maybe a name ripped off from Choi Hawk, uh, Choi Hawk's film mm. Workshop, wasn't it? Uh, so, yeah. uh, whatever. Uh, it's not like uh, Choi Hawk yeah, uh, copyrighted the name Workshop. But, uh, I think it works fine. Uh, and, and it's uh, uh, a decent amount of um, pride or, uh, I don't know... Uh, yeah, yeah, I I would say pride by Wong Jing because in the production logo there's uh, there's his um, outline, it's right, Wong right. Jing's outline in the production logo. So right. it's, so you better deliver, you better deliver if you're that cocky. But and, uh, <laughs> they did, they absolutely did. So and and they wanted a standout production to burst onto the market with in 1992, and in 1992. A trend in Hong Kong cinema was the new wave of kung fu movies, primarily started by Once Upon a Time in China, which obviously hit it big. Hit it big. Char Hawk created a new trend in Hong Kong cinema, as he did, you know, multiple times in his career, including with Sue Warriors from the Magic Mountain. You know, introducing that amount of special effects in Hong Kong movies at that time. Yeah. That was very new and. Uh, just as an aside, uh, do do you like uh, Sue Warriors from the Magic Mountain? Of course, know. of yeah. course, yeah, definitely. Cool. Yeah. Did you see that early on in your uh, Hong Kong cinema f- fandom or later on? Uh, pretty early, pretty early. I think it was released on VHS um, uh, widely by by Tai Sang on and a, and a cardboard insert box. You know, not not one of those clamshell cases. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. And uh, did you like the sequel? <laughs> 
Uh, no comment. No ah, come on, man. Just, just, no. just, just hit me with it. I, I love the sequel. I, I, I don't like that. the sequel. I don't yeah. like the sequel. Not right. at all. It's got Louis Kuhn two, two and different Chang. movies completely. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, man, it's. Yeah, it's a flying Ikin Chang. Yeah, with his lovely hair. Yeah, absolutely. It's so wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> a, a, a guilty pleasure of mine. Uh, and and uh, what about uh, Wong Fei Hong? Once upon a time in China. Oh, those are classics. Yeah. Definitely classics. I can watch those all day, every day. Yeah. Do do you like them past the trilogy, like the four, five, six? Uh, I have past? not seen um once uh the one in America. Once upon a time in China and America. Yeah, so. yeah, so I, I still have that. It's on my to watch pile. It just keeps getting lower and lower and lower yeah. and lower. But yeah, I, I just I haven't seen that one. But yeah, they're fine. Yeah, I don't I don't mind switching. You know, Jet Li. Uh, yeah, that, that's fine. Yeah, and and I agree. I absolutely agree. And uh, as a final aside, uh, once upon a time in China and America. It's a it's a cheesy but very fun movie. I, I actually dig it a lot. So. Okay, cool. uh, just as long as you don't expect Once Upon a Time in China 1, 2 or 3 right, right. Uh, so so this had hit it big and uh, started a new wave Kung Fu trend as I said and Wong Jing and Clarence Falk you know they they still went the modern way you know uh, the modern angle set naked kill in a modern setting despite despite kind of reimagining or re, uh, remaking Intimate Confessions they still went mm. for the erotic thriller mold in modern day and uh, obviously also it's made out of the exploitation mold taken out of it and taken out of the Hong Kong gunplay mold mm. uh, and uh, which is why I got attracted to Naked Killer via the gunplay actually I'll, I'll, uh, I'll talk about that a little bit later and Wong Jing talked of knowing and appreciating Clarence Fox way of thinking as director especially visually he had an updated thinking as uh, Wong Jing put it in one of the interviews. And uh, finally, before we talk a little, little bit about cars, we'll go in deep, uh, in depth on that later on. Believe it or not, Wong Jing claims the intent wasn't to produce a Category 3 film. Believe it or not. <laughs> and, and I think he's got a point when you watch the movie. It, maybe with a few things removed, it could have easily squeezed into the 2B, 2B sure. mold. Uh, I so think there's even, there's more more nudity and intimate confessions of a Chinese courtesan than there is in Naked Killer. Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And certainly earlier than in Naked Killer. 20 years earlier, yeah. Yeah, and, and earlier in terms of the running time as well, you know, 45 minutes in is the first uh, nudity. Oh, yeah, in, that's, when, uh, that's when, like, Count Carrie Ong starts, uh, comes into play, uh, the first, yeah. uh, I think, 40 minutes in, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, also, um, Wong Jing's, uh, I don't know if, Wong Jing was dating Ching Miao at the time, but mm. but but I heard he did yeah, at some yeah, time, yeah. which is uh, creepy to me. <laughs> anyway. uh, so he that, cast that her. gives hope to every man out there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you too can get a girl that looks like Wong um, Ching Miao, even or if you look if like you're Wang a Jing. movie producer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so dream, dream on people. Uh, but anyway, he cast Ching Miao in essentially her first really sexy role. Mm. And she underwent a three-month prep for the role to perform as much action as possible. Obviously, she didn't come from a Kung Fu training background. Uh, and she was doubled by a stuntwoman, Young Ching Ching, who was interviewed also uh, on uh, in one of the interviews. for, And uh, she was doubled for the needed bits of the film. Uh, and Simon Yam appeared in yet another film that year, uh, which was... I think that year, maybe 10 or 20 movies uh, I think he appeared in, which sounds low for Simon Yam during this right, time. Right, right. Uh, may, may, 
maybe had, maybe 92 was a more prolific year when he made like maybe 30 movies. Right. <laughs> uh, Simon is in every movie still. You know, <laughs> Hong Kong cinema output may have slowed down. Simon Yam is still That's in Simon. every movie. Right. Uh, but we love that. We, we yeah. absolutely love that. He was in Dr. Lamb in uh, 92 as well. Yep, exactly. Yeah. It's a very prolific year. So it's a, I, I thought of that. I always knew it. But, I, but when I thought of it, that is just so cool to see actors jump between roles that are completely different. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, between the serial killer to impotent cop to romantic <laughs> lead. Right. And I, I, I don't know. I, I just find that uh, very, very fun to get different looks at actors. Right, yeah. You know, it, uh, it applies to a lot more people than Simon Yam. I mean, I, I listened to Severe Minor side uh, in an interview with the Serbian actor who played the director in a Serbian film, uh, the character of Vukomir, and he talked about his prior movies and uh, the movies he was doing after a Serbian film, and uh, and that he was known more as a comedian in mm. Serbia. So it's like, whoa. Wow. I can't imagine that, but I want to see that because uh, I think I think that guy did a good job in Serbian film. But anyway, uh, <laughs> right though. There was actually uh, an actress signed on to play Sister Cindy that backed out eventually, and that was uh, comedian, veteran, and acclaimed actress uh, Josephine Chow. Mm. Uh, And I don't know how this happened or not, but she was signed on, but backed out after allegedly not being comfortable with the subject matter, and that is a story that raises a whole lot of question marks uh, about the cast and crew involved. You know, did Josephine know of the content or <laughs> b- knew of it but backed out? They, they never said that, but yeah. uh, but apparently there was no need for a you know, legal battle of any kind. Uh, she just didn't want to do it, and uh, that was th- that got Clarence Fox mad for a little while. But it did cost uh, old friend uh, UI instead, uh, mm-hmm. who carried that role of Sister Cindy very well. Right. Uh, I don't think I can imagine Josephine Chow. In that role, to be no, honest. No, no, me neither. Me neither. She's uh, too much of a, uh, I guess, a, a comic presence in films. I mean, from Plain, plain Jane, Jane to, to the Rescue, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's. Uh, I guess that would have been interesting, though. It would have been interesting. I mean, I just said that, uh, like, uh, actors jumping through role, uh, yeah. from role to roles. But, um, you know, it, it, it was, a, you know, a exploitation film, sexy film. And I, I don't know if I could imagine Josephine in that based on her prior screen Image, right, you know, right. so, but but you never know. Uh, we will never know. But uh, she's a she's a legend in her own right, uh, despite. Yeah. So um, also the sexy Karen explored a more pronounced erotic side to her role in uh, in Naked Kill as uh, the rival assassin, and uh, that involved a few erotic scenes. Uh, her role involved a few erotic scenes also with Japanese actress uh, Sugawara Madoka. Mm-hmm. And uh, Clarence Fox said they searched high and low for a girl, a petite girl in Hong Kong and th- in Taiwan, in Korea, and find found the right girl in Japan. Uh, uh, he, he didn't say if she was really? a navy. Yeah, wow. exactly. They they went through the <laughs> they went through ev- every everything and everyone to find the right one and didn't turn to Jap- uh, Japan immediately. Uh-huh. And uh, I don't know if she was an AV actress or not. They, they never stated that, but she mm-hmm. she does the majority of the nudity in the film. Right, right. And uh, that nudity, together with Carrie, uh, created this um, uncomfort with Carrie. Uh, so <laughs> in, in, a, in a genius, stylish move, uh, she can actually be seen wearing gloves in most of her scenes yeah. when she's caressing the Japanese actor. So it's kind of, you know, it didn't backfire, that notion. You know what I mean? 
it's kind of an odd move since she's making out with her and slobbering all over the girl's breasts, I guess. In her mind, it, it works, you know, wearing gloves. I don't have to really touch her, but I, I, I guess that works in Carrie's mind. Yeah, well, well whatever works. I, I still sure. respect her for that role. Uh, she, she went to places she, as far as I know, uh, didn't go before. No, no, uh, no. After the movie, you know, she, she got a bit of a more sexy image. Uh, mm-hmm. It was like an evil instinct, I think. Uh, there was one movie oh, too, yeah, where she was the... slivering around like a snake. Yeah. <laughs> which is uh, one of the sweetest moments of that film. <laughs> and uh, back to Ching Miao, she got nominated for this role at the Hong Kong Film Awards the following year, and she even sang the main theme, apparently, and also lent the hand to the now legendary set of promotional art uh, mm-hmm. done for the film, which, um, among other things, uh, involves uh, shots of her naked with key parts covered up by by guns or carrying the, ba- the bandolier yeah across Ex- the breasts yeah. exactly and um, the one I remember was the back shot of her in high boots and a gun belt uh, right um, right right across her I remember I had that in my wallet <laughs> <laughs> you know, really I, well, yeah I just followed that right now when I was young and I still <laughs> have, and I still have it in my wallet I was <laughs> But it's a very cool shot, and uh, it was uh, shot by a female photographer working for Hong Kong's Playboy, and uh, no men were allowed on the set that day, uh, including Wong Jing and Clarence Falk. And, and it turned out great. Uh, it really did, and uh, as with Dr. Lam, who had like, a very great uh, promotional campaign, you know, where they yeah. put some thought into it. Uh, Naked Killer can be, you know, uh, stand proudly aside uh, that promotional campaign as well, which extended to the trailer. Which uh, sh- uh, which showcases stylish, almost abstract footage, mostly done for the trailer. It appears at the beginning of the film a little bit of it, and uh, and th- th- this is one of the few promo pieces in Hong Kong cinema that was done with finesse and thought, and was done to set up an atmosphere of what to expect, including the nudity and the violence and the visual design, mm. and also it was short. <laughs> right, right. You know, these Hong Kong trailers like running four or five minutes long just <laughs> spoiling the fucking movie. I don't think this breached three minutes, which is, you know, give them the Nobel Peace, uh, not, not Nobel Peace Prize, but Nobel Prize of, I don't know, making short trailers. That's, I don't know, it saved, it saved the world. <laughs> uh, and what I didn't know, actually, this spot was shot by uh, Peter Powell, the legendary yeah. cinematographer Peter Powell, as a favor to Clarence Falk who apparently gave Peter an opportunity to work uh, when he wasn't like you know um, getting work he, he gave him uh, the DOP gig on The Greatest Lover mm-hmm. with uh, Chai Fat and Anita Moy and also the Yumbu Magajung uh, time travel action of the Iceman Cometh uh, was shot by Peter who has since gone on to have a pretty pretty decent career let's say oh, that. Yeah. I mean uh, winning an academy award uh, eventually uh, for Crouching Tiger That's Hidden Dragon tiger. and mm-hmm. so uh, good on Clarence for um, you know uh, you know being there for his friend right you know, Hong Kong is a small place and I guess the inter- entertainment industry at that time as busy as it was kind of was a small place too you could like you know you know do things for your friends still they weren't like mm-hmm. lo- long long far away in the distance you know uh, compared to where you are in your career, you know. Right. So, at the movie's main DP was otherwise uh, a gentleman called William Yim, who shot Clarence Fox's uh, Black Panther Warrior subsequently, and also was part of the multi cinematography team on the Jeff Lau directed Chinese Odyssey 1 and 2, the uh, Stephen Chow Monkey King uh, movies. Right. 
which are good looking movies in their own right. Mm-hmm. And as a final note on Naked Kill at this time is um, the censorship history of it. Uh, it's an issue I'm always interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, uh, running time history and all of that, and also the way censorship works, if you will. And uh, it played in Hong Kong, as we said, it was a category three rating. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing it on the show. <laughs> 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 but uh, the, um, a number of violent scenes, including uh, Carrie um, uh, crushing a man's head with uh, weightlifting equipment and uh, <laughs> and dialogue about penis eating, <laughs> yeah, yeah, was uh, c- both cut and uh, bleeped out. <laughs> bleeped out, yeah. Yeah, I mean, speaking of the type of I, I know, this, listeners, this might not sound like a subject, but the bleeping in Hong Kong cinema is one of the worst I've heard in the world because it almost always starts with a huge crackling noise and then the <laughs> beep, which is a loud beep in itself. But you hear beep! Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not a smooth beep. They just wants to give you, you know, tinnitus or damage to ears, you know. <laughs> and uh, in triad movies and stuff like that, you can hear it all the time. Beep, 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 mm. beep, beep. Um, I dig it. I like that. I like <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite fun because you know, <laughs> yeah. you you know uh, kind of what they're talking about now. Right. Uh, you know. Uh, but uh, this was all reinstated on the Megastar DVD of the film, mm-hmm. and at least one new scene between Ching Miao's Kitty and uh, UI's Cindy, where they're lying on a sofa. That was um, a scene not in the cinema version at all. And uh, the, this is like the uncut director's cut then almost because it's a cool little scene. And this is available on the UK Hong Kong Legends DVD of the film. But the Region 1 released by Fox is, which I haven't seen, I know it's cut by six minutes. So it's either the old Hong Kong cinema cut or right. a version that had freshly made cuts to it in terms of violence and sex to obtain an R rating on DVD. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, kind of a shame, actually. Uh, six minutes sounds a lot. A lot, yeah, yeah. For this, for this movie, so t- to be honest, if you want, probably if you want to see it, just to have you know the naked kill experience, kind of. Maybe you can rent it or stream it, or if it's on you know a streaming service, a legal right. streaming service. <laughs> but 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 I would recommend uh, trying to get an import instead uh, from Definitely. from the UK or or Hong Kong. You should be able to get it. Right. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> a version you shouldn't watch, or maybe you should, is the Malaysian version, which is a treat by the sound of it, and I'll explain why. It features not only the same cuts as per the cinema version in Hong Kong, but new scenes, a few new scenes shot to make the storyline about Ching Miao's kitty one about her being an undercover cop. What? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, to appease censors. Oh, you know, so there's no lesbianism in the film either, and there's a happy Ooh. ending in the film. Oh lord! Yeah, yeah, Jeez. they they had to get into that territory and shoot shoot a few alternate events. <sighs> and funnily enough, this edit turned up on German VHS, obviously dubbed into German, but for what some reason they got that instead of, you know, uh, the 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 cut Hong Kong one or the uncut Hong Kong one. So. I would love to see that because uh, <laughs> th- there's not, let's say, without spoiling it, th- th- there's not a happy ending to the film necessarily. No. no. Uh, so uh, that that's fun. It's that's more than the usual, you know, um, mainland edit that has to be done, a la Infernal Affairs, where where you get punished for your crimes. You know, right. it's, th- this is more than that. It sounds like a new storyline all of a sudden. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's an undercover cop. <laughs> so. So it's uh, so it's good fun. So that's uh, that's the main background on the film. So 
we will go into a break, but I'm um, just going to ask King if uh, you want to add anything to... Uh, well, well, what I should ask, really, uh, I forgot about this. What, what Do you remember your first uh, experience with Naked Killer when, when you saw it and what, what, what impact did it have on you? In short, we'll go into this later on, but uh, what impact did it have? I think it had a big impact. It was I saw this early on in my uh, Hong Kong film-watching career, if you will, and uh, I saw Naked Killer and I was like, this is Hong Kong cinema, fucking a man, it's like Jackie who? I'm like, I'm getting into this shit, you know, <laughs> you know. So, it was, and I, I saw the, I saw a, a cut print. I saw the, the world video uh, version. That was my first. I think I mentioned it before. That was my first actual Hong Kong DVD I, I ever bought. Was the Naked uh, Killer uh, world video DVD. <laughs> so yeah, yes, I saw, I did see it early on, and I was like, ah, oh, this is, this is, this is my scene, man. I, I, I belong here. So, do you remember if uh, when you saw the uncut one, is there a lot more in the uncut one, or just three or four, you know, blood splashes that weren't in the cut? Really, I don't, I don't, I don't recall. Right. So, so it I wasn't that recall. extensive then. No, I, I, no. I, I think, I think the cut versions, uh, it suffices. Yeah, definitely. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, at least it has the nudity and all of that stuff. So. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, what more do you need? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Uh, and I, 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 I've gone through a love and hate relationship with the movie throughout the years. I've seen it like four times, including uh, the one as, uh, for this podcast, the screening for this podcast. And I think it all has to do with the fact that I, the kind of movie watch I was became, and then change, I changed it to a different movie watch. You know, I, I, now I've settled on you know liking B movies, like an exploitation, mm-hmm. cult movies, and I, I, I think. It just uh, it was due to that. I mean, I couldn't get really on board with it. So right. I, had I, think it I had a similar it. relationship as as you mentioned. You know, a love hate kind of relationship. Yeah, and and really not n- not a hate one. Uh, I wouldn't say it's, it's not right, right. That's, that's like a against strong, the movie, yeah. but uh, I just didn't get on with it. I didn't get the appeal. I I, I like the violence, but I didn't get the appeal overall. Which now that I've used to Hong Kong movies a little bit, uneven Hong Kong movies, even though mm-hmm. this is a bit more even, I, I, I can easily get on with the film. So it's kind of fascinating that one movie, you, you've flip-flopped, I guess, two or yeah, three yeah. times even. I agree. Uh, so, uh, because he, uh, today I wouldn't sell the Megastar DVD, even if I, even if I had like two or three other DVD editions of right, the film, right. I like having them all. So do, do you have your VHS still? Um, I do have a VHS, yeah, oh. yeah, I do. Definitely. It's an important one. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. It's gonna be fr- that and Sex and Zen is gonna be uh, framed in a glass case or something <laughs> like that. My first free, <laughs> the one that built an empire. <laughs> right though, so we'll take a short break and we're gonna talk a little bit about cast and crew uh, behind Naked Killer. So we'll be right back. So, welcome back. Crew on Naked Killer. And the two main ones you gotta discuss, really, is, of course, it's a director and it's writer and producer. And we're starting with Clarence Falk. And uh, my views on him and a little bit of background on him at the same time goes as follows. Uh, you know, he... There's not a whole lot of background, actually, on him. So, no, so, no. I, so, so I'll just talk about, like, his career trajectory a little bit. Uh, so, as we mentioned, Naked Killer as is a 
Shaw Brothers reimagining, and one of Fox's early movies was the 1983 Andy Lau drama On the Wrong Track, done at that very studio, Shaw Brothers. Mm. So, um, uh, during the 80s, he also mixed in a little bit of acting. He can be seen as the lead, essentially, in the 1986 movie Naughty Boys <laughs> by Welson Chin and featuring yeah. excellent Jackie Chan stunt team action. Yeah. That movie is Mars, hell of fun. Mars and everyone, yeah. Kofi. And uh, so he's in that as an actor, really. You know, he doesn't stand out, really. You know, he doesn't have acting chops. But uh, he's part of that movie. Uh, it's good fun. And uh, this, you know, his directing career slowly revealed a director with an eye for style and a desire to showcase elegance and costumes, which are basically three words that are going to be used by me anyway, often in this podcast. Style, elegance, costumes. Right. And it's evident in Naked Kill, of course, and but also earlier in The Greatest Lover. The uh, Chai Fat Anita Moy rom com, and I remember nothing from that as of now, other than I remember yeah, the, I the, 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 it was very eye popping, it was very stylish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it really comes from Clarence Fock, I think, all of that. And this heavy style is also uh, evident in his award winning category free true crime flick, Remains mm-hmm. of a Woman. Right. And uh, it pushes, you know, the style to the extreme, where, you know, with strong lighting schemes and colors. And it's, you know, a dirty, grimy film, too. You know, yeah. it's uh, an gory film and, uh, and all that, and, an, uh, and a good film. Uh, I yeah, think it the, is. The, the award is deserved, and that award went to mm. Carrie Um yeah. for her, I think it was a supporting actress yeah, award, yeah, I think so. rather than uh, actress award in uh, Taiwan. The Taiwan Golden Horse Awards awarded her one of the few category free movies of the time to get awards. So that's always good. So go, Carrie. <laughs> and. Uh, but he can also be an annoying director, Clarence, <laughs> in my opinion, when yeah. not concerning himself to be visual, you know. But I'm going to mention first, if we go a little bit in order, uh, there's no doubt that the Iceman cometh, the time travel action with Yun Yu, Maggie Chung, and Yun Wah, is, in my view, a case of a well-rounded product. It's very entertaining. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It has period elements, time travel elements, a little bit of wacky comedy, fish out of water, <laughs> and Yun Wah just being, uh, you know, Yun Wah as we know and love yeah. him. So, uh, but Clarence for me, you know, connects to being extreme and manic even. And uh, that <clears throat> manic is when he's, you know, has, I have a love and hate relationship with him. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but still, he's a bit of a standout director in that regard. And uh, Black Panther Warriors, for instance, feels like this acid trip. With, right. uh, you know, dizzying acid trip with sometimes a lot of great in comedy. I mean, one of the unmentioned annoying fuck faces out of Hong Kong cinema is Dickie Jung. <laughs> you know, and you remember what he did in Black Panther Warriors? That he had, had a pacifier in his mouth for some right, reason? Right, right, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, I, uh, my God, Dickie <laughs> is an incredibly annoying guy who doesn't look like he's going to be annoying. You know, that guy is quite handsome. What's he doing? <laughs> so look at future cops uh, for uh, Dicky annoyance oh, uh, taken yeah. up to extreme levels. But I don't mind rewatching those kind of movies from that time, despite you know. And and there's something to be valid to be said about creating manic, stylish elegance, creating elegance to that level. I think Clarence has a different level than different people. And running off my views before you mention yours is uh, mm. he remains less active today. 
and uh, at least in feature movies. And the latest directorial effort to 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 date is dating a vampire from 2006. And I, I'm sorry, Clarence, I have no desire to watch that, even though I know nothing <laughs> of it. So there you go. I think I have it. I just yeah, I'm with you. I don't think I'll ever get to that one. But uh, what do you think about Clarence Vock? Um, I just like you, it's a it's a love hate relationship with him. Um, ah. He's a director with like a, I guess a decidedly garish visual flair, mm-hmm. and I think maybe like uh, almost like a one-trick pony. That's it's it's visual style and what you know that's it's that over substance, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's a distinct style. So you know you're watching a Clarence Fox film. Yes, you know, it's a ton of energy. It's shit going on. It's it's out of, it's out of control. And like you said, it's manic. That's a that's a perfect word uh, word for it. Including in the subtitles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, no, no, I... Black Panther Warriors is one of the most legendary movies in terms of subtitles, because you couldn't understand them or see them a lot during on the cinema print. Mm-hmm. They transcribed every single bad subtitle for the DVD of Black Panther Wars. It's absolutely insane. You know nothing of what go, goes on, but it fits that annoying and great movie. And the Black Panther Warriors is so fucking incoherent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have no fucking idea what's going on. No idea. And I when first watched it, you know, it was after Naked Killer, and uh, it, it, the movie pissed me off. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on here? I had no idea what was going on, and I watched it again, you know, years later, and I, I gave it another chance, and I still, I, you know, I just stopped trying to dissect it, and just, you know, uh, I knew that it was incoherent, but I, I looked at the flair and mayhem for what it was, and I just, I, I enjoyed it. It was yeah. madness, and um, that's what I enjoy uh, out of Clarence Falk. Like, the same kind of manic energy he put into the Black Panther Wars here, it's also used in Gun and Rose. Yes. The same kind of action. It's off-the-wall fucking action, and that's what kind of... Uh, pulled me into Hong Kong cinema because it was so different than anything else that was out there. Mm-hmm. Action-wise, it was it, you know visually stunning and just uh, the, the editing was so bang, 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 bang. It was, it was quick fire and uh, I really dug it. I, and I guess I, I can liken Black Panther Warriors and uh, Gun N' Rose to like Taiwanese action. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still, it's, it's that rapid action and the, the, the quick edits and it's, you know, sometimes incoherent, you know, you don't know what the hell's going on, but it, you know it's fucking cool. It's strangely valid because you know quick edits and dissing action shouldn't work, but for some reason Clarence's movies manages to be cool despite right. you sometimes not, you know, having a chance to follow it all. And I I don't know how the balance is pulled off. Maybe it's because it's from this time, you know, mm. early nineties where right, right, they, it they, works they so well. S- yeah, they could still like fool us into thinking it's cool. Maybe I don't know. Right. <laughs> but I agree. John Rose yeah. is a shit movie. Otherwise, I don't like it, but it has some fucking cool parts. But you have to just watch it for the action. Like I, yeah. I say, you can't dissect the Clarence Fox film. You know, you just have to sit there and just let it visually smack you in the face. You know, and it's it's this kind of energy that you know I really uh, generally gravitate to in Hong mm. Kong cinema. Yeah. Even if it's only 10 minutes out of the 90-minute movie, you know, yeah, you, yeah. it's that, a that, huge thing you take away from it, those 10 minutes. Yeah, you're right. right. Definitely. You're, I mean, you're definitely I, right. I, the images I get in my head when thinking of Black Panther Warriors other than Dickie Chung, <laughs> uh, it's, you know, Simon Yam plays a sort of a God of Gamblers uh, type of character with uh, yeah, his fruit cards yeah. and shit. Like, <laughs> and, and the cards kept flying all over the place and... You know, he was demonstrating you know, his ability, and that is an example of like, whoa, 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 what, what happened? Whoa, cool! I think, right, right. you know, it's uh, manic, and that movie had a lot of nice hats. Yes, everyone wanted to have. It was, it was like the uh, the wedding yesterday. Um, the uh, British uh, 
Prince uh, William. What's his name? Prince William. Who cares? Yeah, who cares, right? It was everyone wore a friggin' hat. It was looked like a fr- it looked like the Black Panther Warriors. <laughs> we looked at these early Hong Kong movies, and I think what we're gonna do, you know, you know, I, I know it's an age old tradition, but you know, for the sake of it, we're gonna put some fucked up hats on, <laughs> and that will retain the royal stamp on this whole thing. <laughs> the British Columbus film, so, right, so just yeah. uh, you know, put a monkey on you, <laughs> on your head. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's made a few, uh, you know, decent films like Her Name Is Cat. No, it's it's visually exciting. It's not great, but it's it's visually exciting, like you know Clarence uh, uh, can do. Uh, and, uh, the best thing about that was the poster. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's kind of it was, it was kind of a riff on you know Naked Killer, I I suppose. Oh, um, but, but by the way, you know what the thing I remember from her name is Cat because I, I, I didn't really get on with it, really get on with the movie. But Michael Wong saying in English probably, uh, it'll be like a you know, B-grade movie, for God's sake. You know, he said a line in the movie that kind of like, yeah, this is what that movie is. You know, it's going to be like a B-grade movie, for God's sake. There was some <laughs> line like that by Michael Aya Wong that I like to call him. Yeah, yeah. So I guess Clarence's for me is, is uh, just a visual director, uh, mostly. And best movie of his, uh, I guess, uh Remains, remains of a woman for you, or what do you think? Um, yeah, remains of a woman. Uh, I think uh, Iceman Cometh, like sure. you mentioned, that's a that's a good dragon from Russia. You know, these he's made some good stuff. Uh, later, I, I really dug Hong Kong Triad. Right, so that's that. the I really one, dug that one. Uh, Francis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 and uh, Thunder Cop. Uh, you see, you see Thunder Cop. I know there, there was a great subtitle in there about uh, who is dealing drugs in my gay. I don't think I've seen it, but, yeah, but, but I've yeah. seen another Thunder Cop, I think. There's a few different The ones. earlier one, right, right, yeah. So he's uh, made some decent films. Absolutely, absolutely. Sure, sure. Uh, right, though. So Wong Jing has made many movies and produced many movies, written many movies, and is generally hated and loved as well. So I'll open up with a quote from him. It's a bit of a long quote, maybe too long, but uh, I think you're, you're going to like it. So, start of the quote. Only rubbish people would call my movies rubbish. Yes. I think you should end the quote right there, but anyway. I like that. I, I read this quote too, yes. Yeah. So, what qualifies them to have an opinion? Critics are not God, and it's not for them to judge what's good or bad. The audience should decide. It's right. easy for anyone to use a pen to dismiss others. If I was to pick up my pen, they would lose 99% of the time. I've never, ever heard a member of the audience call my movies rubbish. Well, he's he's not listening uh, <laughs> closely. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, Wong Jing's quote, and I think it, it, uh, he he has his points, definitely. Those are kind of my sentiments. Uh, reading uh, reviews, you know, I'm not a big review fan. You know, I just I'd rather uh, just give me something quick, a quick paragraph. Tell me if there's uh, violence, nudity. Tell me what's in it. Tell me who's who's in it. The running time, and let me make my own decision. You know, so I, I guess I, I I get on with that that quote. Yeah, I mean, I, I I can certainly agree, and I think that's why I like to play to those two audiences with my reviews. Uh, right. On, on my site, I exactly. have you know exactly. the four four quick ones, you usually quick ones, and the large one um, every other week. So um, and and I absolutely understand when someone says that because no people don't read reviews of long reviews of movies they haven't seen usually they don't do that and uh, and they don't have time they don't need to they you know they can make up their own mind mm-hmm. uh, but certain reviewers you know I think are a bit more hard harder than I am in terms of you know 
you're an idiot if you don't like this movie. Right, I, right. I never go like down that road because who am I? Enough. Who am I to say? <laughs> exactly, that? exactly. I'm an idiot for saying that. Essentially. <laughs> uh, so um, who, who knows? Maybe uh, in my early, early in my reviewing career, if you will, I might have said something to that effect. Uh, but uh, yeah. it was never my intention to be like that. Especially not now. I am absolutely not that guy now. So Wong Jing is many of those like profiles that he's talked about a lot. But I, I think there's always a few people out there who don't really, really know who this guy is and what his background in general is. So I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about his background. Uh, background of a very prolific writer, producer, filmmaker, and even actor who was once known for his ability to tap into the elements that pleases audiences. And, and I should stop there. It's 2011 right now, and Wong Jing you know, isn't putting out the same quality in movies as he did, partly because Hong Kong cinema is very different, and he's mm. trying to make a buck making cheaper movies, and uh, it's not as entertaining anymore, it seems, reading reviews. But uh, that's why I'm saying that, I'm not being uh, cynical for the sake of it. But uh, back then, you know, he was a commercial filmmaker trying to please the audiences and did it well, be it via comedy, tried movies, erotica, or new wave waifu. And he had this very strong run in the 80s and 90s, working in each of those capacities, writer, producer, and uh, filmmaker, and uh, occasional actor in uh, his own movies, uh, either directed or produced by him. So, uh, But he's not a popular one with critics all the time, though, but that's uh, another matter. Uh, we'll, mm-hmm. I, I think we'll get into that. I think you've loaded up your Wong Jing defense bullets uh, <laughs> in the background here, and rightly so. But anyway, Wong Jing is almost always about the buck, all most always, especially nowadays, as I said. But uh, he has some artistic intentions every now and again, and we'll uh, mention some movies uh, that are like that. But he started out as a scriptwriter for TV before moving on to writing for the Shaw Brothers Studios in the early 80s, where he also graduated to uh, direct on his own and uh, worked up until the studio closed about 1985. And early classics you can find Wong Jing's name on, Shaw Brothers or not, there's the likes of uh, The Magnificent Butcher with Summer Hung, directed by Yoon Ping, The Buddhist Fist for Yoon Ping, which is one of my absolute favorite Yoon Ping movies, uh, not because of the writing, just because it's amazing physicality on, on display in that movie. Uh, I recommend that. Legend of a Fighter for Wu Ping again, which is, uh, rep- I haven't seen it, but it's a reportedly very serious and well-told uh, story of uh, Fok Yung Gap, uh, again, as in Fearless is the same character that mm-hmm. Jet Li played in Fearless, I think uh, Long Gaian, I think anyway, plays him. And uh, as a director, he, uh, Wong Jing was behind the very successful Romancing Star films, mm-hmm. one or two. I think they made a third that I don't yeah, know I think he, they did, yeah. he produced or not, but uh, also was behind the God of Gamblers films with uh, Chai Fat and Stephen Chow, the various uh, spin-offs and different paths they went into as... Um, Chai Fat was Dosan and Stephen Chow was Dozing. Uh, God of Gamblers, Saint of Gamblers, I believe. Uh, and uh, the love-hate Jackie Chan vehicle, vehicle City Hunter was uh, directed by Wong Jing. A terrific movie. I love that movie. And um, another love-hate movie he made was called High Risk, which is uh, a love-hate movie for Jackie fans, I think, because it clearly is mocking Jackie, but man, is it funny. Yeah, and it is. it's a kick-ass action movie as well, so uh, never mind that. Uh, and Wu Ma playing Jackie's father is the greatest thing in the world, you know. Uh, that image is perfect uh, by, to have Wu Ma, uh, Wu Ma in, but anyway. 
Uh, as a producer, he started firmly producing movies in 1986 with uh, Numb Night Choice, uh, wild and classic The Seventh Curse. Mm. And uh, that's a uh, movie. Uh, even though it's not category free, I think we're going to do something on Numb Night Choice on the podcast on Fire Network. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's Terrific cool. director. Uh, and Naked Kill, of course, he produced and wrote. Uh, and uh, if my research is correct, it's, uh, it's his first category free film from this era. Uh, so, so I hope that's correct. I believe anyway. so, yeah. Yeah, so which is uh, kind of uh, cool that uh, he went into the free, well, intentional or not, <laughs> with <the laughs> effort. He went in with effort when uh, doing his first movie for his production company, Robert. And uh, also, as you know, he did commercial efforts, but also, uh, you know, went into the trends. He, he corresponded to, you know, the trends, and one of the trends was the category free movies, and you got him as producer on Rape by an Angel, uh, which, curiously enough, only the first in that series was Category 3, which is uh, kind of right. unexpected. Right. Ch- Chinese Torture Chamber Story produced, Underground Banker producer, Sex and Emperor, uh, very, uh, that was disgusting, that movie. <laughs> uh, very good. Uh, Lover of the Lost Empress, he produced, that was a shit movie. Uh, <laughs> and Sex and Sen 2, uh, Shu K with a penis in that movie. Mm-hmm. And Ebola Syndrome, uh, with the classic... Uh, Anthony Wong uh, running around the streets uh, shouting Ebola, Ebola, or Ebola, Ebola, <laughs> spitting on people. So Wong Jing, uh, he, 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 he knows his stuff. I, I like Wong Jing, but Me hey, too. do you like Wong Jing? I do. I, I, I actually do uh, like Wong Jing, um, even though he's made a, a ton of shit films. Um, ah, well, where, where do I begin? Uh, I guess more times than not, he's looked at as, I guess, somewhat of a, of a bane. Um, to Hong Kong cinema fans, uh, I guess for his filmmaking ethics, uh, they, he makes films uh, that people want to see, they're commercial films for a mainstream audience. And I think the majority of his detractors are are like Johnny Toe, Milky Way, Wong Kar Wai, you know, fanboy. I don't want to say fanboys, I don't like that term, but you know what I mean? They're, they're uh, people that only uh, like seem to like those films or seem to just just talk about those films. I want to discuss those films. Uh, they really kind of shit on Wang Jing, and I and I just want to say, you know, knock that shit off. <laughs> you know, Wang Wang Jing is your is Hong Kong cinema's savior. You know, uh, if, if you want to look at it that way, um, his films are fun. You know, not all of them. I said, you know, he's made classic shitters that you should never ever see. Uh, but for such a, pro- a prolific filmmaker, I, I think he is, you know, the king or the closest Hong Kong cinema has come to having a king. Uh, he's he's really smart, uh, he, you know. He's 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 spread his schlock empire over over uh, Hong Kong cinema, hmm. and it's just it's, it's smart business, you know. And even when the film industry began to tank in you know in the, in the mid mid 90s because of the Hong Kong economic crisis, Jing kind of uh, he 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 collected uh, as many as much talent as as he could together to keep the film industry going. You know, he's kind of philanthropist to the film uh, to the Hong Kong film industry and. Uh, a lot of people were out jobs and they needed a paycheck. You know, he made like these one-week wonders. You know, bang, bang, bang. You know, just to keep people working and and have a, have a steady income. It really kind of propped up the industry for a while. You know, there were quick films. A lot of them were shit films. But uh, uh, he he like, he put a bandage, you know, uh, on the film industry for a while until it kind of rebounded uh, somewhat with, uh, I guess, uh, Milky Way becoming more uh, uh, the front runner. Mm-hmm. And um. I, I really dig Wang, Wang Jing, uh, and I, I, I would like to thank him for being such a, a schlocky director. I think, yeah, I think that's a very good point, and I, I, I never think, 
you know, as with any filmmaker, you you have a you know a varied track record. Mm-hmm. But I've never like had that you know burning hatred for him. I mean, I have burning no, hatred no. for different people. You know, I have burning hatred for certain movies I've seen of Wong Kar Wai's. But that doesn't sure. mean I, you know, I shit on the people in that. Yeah, movie. you don't want to. You don't want to dismiss them. You know, no, because no, they, no, they, they do have talent. No. They do make great films, and just because no. they make a couple of turkeys, you know, just. You can't just dismiss them. I mean, Chunking Express is a turkey, but I won't shit on you for liking it. <laughs> you know, and, and it's I feel the same these... way about Ashes of Time. Eh? Yeah, there you go. And yeah, that's the extent of you know the discussion we can have right now. If we do a bit of a research, <laughs> we can discuss the movies a little bit more. But I've, you know, it tracks back to that internet flame wars quote wars kind of thing that I yeah, just I, into, I was hate. never into that. I could just get a life. Come on. Yeah, I mean, I don't go out much, but I I don't live on the internet either that way, you know. Fuck yeah. So uh, I mean, it's as easy as that, and uh, and it's an incredible track record Wong Jing has, you know, and that honest stance that he has of you know he's providing what the mark what he thinks the market wants, you know, that that that's a very you know good honest stance, even sure. though the market requires you know a cheap comedy. With crude jokes, you know, why not? You know, you're, you're not, you're not. <laughs> maybe you're offending people, but you're not hurting anyone. And right. I think audiences like uh, maybe those, you know, at the other end of the, I don't know, mocking or they, maybe they can, you know, look at that too and you know not be offended. I, I don't have any example as such, but maybe Jack Chan wasn't too offended by high risk, even though that was. It's said to be a result of kind of a strenuous relationship between Wong Jing and Jack Chan. Right. Uh, so maybe it's a bit of an uh, <laughs> immature movie from Wong Jing, but it's still fun. And, oh, definitely. Uh, definitely. And, <laughs> you know, Once Upon a Time, it's, it's kind of funny now, uh, Once Upon a Time, Wong Jing apparently said in reference to An Hoi's autobiographical movie, Song of the Exile, yes. that <laughs> who wants to see an autobiopic of a fat woman? <laughs> you got to love that. You know, so you, and, you have to love that. And what happened many years later? He produced uh, the way we are and Night and Fog for Anhoi. Right, right. Uh, way we are. He isn't even credited on the movie. He didn't want that apparently. And so, two, two of my favorite Hong Kong films from the last few years. Absolutely. There's yeah. Hong Jing again connected to it. Ah. There's no reason to, you know, you you sh- shit on him like he has no worth. Because right. he has loads of worth and incredibly annoying as well, you know. <laughs> and um, you know, uh, especially, I, I got, I, I was really happy to see his track record when working with a category three, uh, because it, uh, you know, some of the movies, some of the movies mentioned, are downright classics, and uh, you know, the, um, you know, the reference works from this right. era, Chinese Torture Chamber Story Two, Underground mm-hmm. Bank, as we, as we uh, talked about. Love. And, and, and even Rape by an Angel to an extent is an uneven film, but uh, you know it's uh, it's part of that. It's an iconic film in its own right, and also you know, we, you know gave hungry directors a chance during this time. Cash Chin, yeah. Bosco Lam, even yeah, Herman Yao, who was mm-hmm. you know arguably a veteran when he made Ebola Syndrome. But uh, you know, uh, what better way than to be supported by someone with credit to his name mm-hmm. to gain credits? You know. Right. Uh, and that's not about using your producers, but you know, uh, you know using me in a, in, a, in a good way, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, Wong Jing's style of humor, the style of audience that's pleasing is, you know, as with any filmmaker, I say, a bit of a hit and miss. Sure. Romancing star movies, not very funny, but no. 
Uh, you know, I, I guess you know. maybe we're not the audience for those. You know, uh, it's a lot of stuff that doesn't translate well sometimes. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I think that's that's the case with some of his films. I think I, for for me, Wong's style I define it as like everything but the kitchen sink. He throws so much shit into his films. You know, he just like chucks so much shit up against the wall and sees what sticks. If it sticks, it sticks. If it doesn't, there's another film coming next week by Wang Jing. Well, you know, if if I'm a working stiff schlepping my my stinky tofu cart all over Hong Kong. And at the off chance I get a day off of work and I want to catch a flick, I'm going to be more inclined to catch Rape by an Angel than something by, by Clara Law. You know, even if it's a Category 3 film like uh, Law's Temptation of a Monk, yeah. you know, I'm gonna, I'd rather see Rape by an Angel. You know, so his, his principles of making uh, um, films for the masses, uh, it, it works. It's, a, it's very smart, you know, and his, his films aren't great, not all of them, but, you know, it, it, it works. And it's, it's about making a buck for himself as well. Yeah. You know, and he's that's that's just that's smart business. And and so he knows what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. And occasionally, when he wanted to do something serious, it wasn't too bad. I mean, he, there's no masterpieces out there, but the likes of was it True Mob, mob Stories that the Andalou one? Uh, one? That's that's one of my favorite Wang Jing films, True Mob Story. It's an excellent film. And uh, later on, uh, like uh, during the last uh, ten years, we had Color of the Truth, which was uh, mm -hmm. you know co-directed by Marco Macco and Wong Jing, of course. But right. you know a, a standout one, despite being a tried movie and kind of a Infernal Affairs, and not rip-off, but obviously Infernal Affairs made it. Wong Jing wanted to make a movie in the vein of it, and uh, that works. And uh, so he's not too bad when he's trying, and I, and I like that he's a producer of award-winning movies, like The Way We Are, which one, right. you know, surprised a lot of people last year when he picked up such big awards, uh, including Best Director, Best Actress, and Best Supporting Actors. Mm. And uh, I don't know, <laughs> as an aside, when I watched those uh, award clips uh, from uh, the Hong Kong Film Awards last year of uh, when The Way We Are won, mm. and uh, the main actress, uh, Bao Ching when she won the award, I, I don't know, it makes me want to cry because you, you see Alex Fong in the background crying his eyes out when <laughs> Pao Wei Ching wins. I don't know if, you know, that's a relative or he was just happy that she won, but man, he just burst into tears. Really? Wow, I'd like clip. to see that. Yeah. And everybody's standing up and clapping, you know, it seems like such a happy occasion. And Wong Jing is there, you know, he, had, he produced it, he has two you know, starlets by his side in, uh, <laughs> at the awards. But still, you know, he produced oh. The Way We Are, and it's a great, great movie. Right. L little slice of life, uh, real-life drama shot on video. Wonderful, and, wonderful movie, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Viva La Wong Jing, actually, in a good way. <laughs> uh, rather than like, Viva La Wong Jing, you're a shameless motherfucker. <laughs> and you are. He is. Yeah, sure. No, nothing wrong with that. Uh, right, though. So, what do you want to say about our leading actress, Ching Mi Yao? Oh, the, the lovely, the lovely Ching Mi Yao. Um, no, 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 no. On this network, she's called Ching Mi Yao. Wow, Yao. wow, wow. wow. <laughs> Thanks to Stu. Yes, 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 sir. Deservedly so. Uh, she's someone. She's someone had has had an interesting career. Um, I believe she's most noted for being a Category Three starlet, which it's, it's unfortunate. You know, she's only made about three Category Three films. Uh, Naked Killer, Raped by an Angel, and Lover of the Last Empress. Mm -hmm. And um, it was never naked, so I, I guess just maybe the, the image of uh, uh, the artwork uh, surrounding Naked Killer is what she's most synonymous for, which is it's kind of unfortunate. I think she has some, some acting chops, you know, and uh, uh, for me, well, she is drop-dead gorgeous, you know. In her film, she appears more pleasant and innocent, well, the earlier ones, than dangerous and sexy. I think Naked Killer kind of changed her film persona. 
a bit. And uh, it's kind of unfortunate that she may be more noticed for films like Pick a Killer and Rape by an Angel than her other work. Uh, because she's had, she has a nice presence on screen. And uh, she's, she's you know, I, I, I want to say she's not just eye candy, but there is an element of her being just eye candy in a, a lot of her films. And I don't know if that's, that could be just due to, to Wang Jing, you know, uh, building that persona for her. You know, she was a, uh, a beauty passion contestant, so she was a model. So, um, here's some, some more background info on Ching-Mo, uh, Ching-Mi. Uh, she was a contestant in the Miss Hong Kong pageant before entering, you know, the films in the, uh, the mid to late 80s. I think Wang Jing directed her in her first film, uh, Mr. Possessed, in 1980. I never saw it. Did you see that, Ken? I, I did see it. The late yeah. Shaw Brothers comedy. Okay. I don't remember she being in it, but the movie was okay. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, guess she was kind of, you know, Jing's muse. You know, it was, we mentioned before that they that they did date, or at least we, we heard they, they dated. And they, they continued filming together up until her retirement in the late 90s. And uh, they made like 50 films together, some shit like that. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty prolific, uh, that relationship, mm-hmm. uh, her and Wong. And um, I never saw her final film, Hold You Tight, Stanley Kwan's film. And I know that she was nominated for Best Actress at the Hong Kong Film Awards. And uh, have you seen that film? Yeah, yeah, I did. And uh, uh, she, she's good. She plays dual roles, and uh, she looks older. You know, right, right. Noticeably it was, was, older. It was uh, one of my films I was going to watch for this particular podcast. I just never got around to it. Yeah, it it's good. It's a straightforward um, drama made at the time when Stanley Kwan had come out of the closet as an you know, openly gay filmmaker and started to... Mm put that theme into his movies which uh, produced you know Hold You Tight and the likes of Lan Yu both in my opinion right, very good right, right. okay yeah her acting forte I guess is, is more comedic talent and eye candy and I don't know if that's just the persona built by, by Wang Jing um, she's she I guess she's cast more as or was cast more as like a, a Jade Vaz type actress just like pretty scenery you know you know what you're getting when you go into a Ching, Ching Mi Yao movie you know she's not gonna show you any any nudity but she's going to be, you know, kind of sex- sexy and sultry. And uh, I guess for me, she's more more pleasant than than sexy, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm and I'm okay with that. I'm okay she didn't, you know, uh, that she kind of took the Amy Yip route, what, what, you know, acting in Category Three films, but not showing sure. showing it all, you know. So I, I'm I'm okay with that. I it think she's a fine. It was not annoying seeing her all no, not show a, anything, exact, everything exact. in Naked Killer. Not no, annoying at all. Right, 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 and uh, that's uh, I, I do enjoy her. You know, um, I wish she would uh, come back into, into into films like yeah, Carrie. Did. Yeah, it was uh, marriage. I think that uh, halted yeah, yeah. her, her uh, movie career, but good for her. I hope she's happy. Uh, in that regard, you don't need. Yeah, apparently, she didn't didn't need a movie career after marriage. Right, right. Know, so, do you do you think she's like pigeonholed by I guess Western audiences as this uh, sexy naked killer type? You know this this sex pot actress, or do you think that she actually does have have talent outside of that that film persona? Uh, I I think it's overall yeah it, it is that, but uh, I think right. enough people knew, know of her that that there is a versatility in in her, even though they haven't seen Hold You Tight. Right. But I think uh, you know I, I don't think she's uh, one of those like uh, unfortunate stamps. <laughs> you know, uh, or brands in Hong Kong cinema, like she only does this. I think uh, people genuinely like her and not just her image. Uh, but right. but to to a degree, I think it's easier to dislike and disapprove of her career because it did really didn't feel like her career uh, most of the time, in my opinion. Uh, it was oh, I, car- agree. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. but because it, she 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 did work under the guidance of Wong Jing for a number of right, years. Right, right. And and arguably, it, it kind of felt like Hold Your Tight was her first like 
to show what she could do. But I always say this, and I've said it 100 times, I'll say it a 101th time. If you only have one, you know, let's say mature role, or one classic thing on your resume, mm-hmm. you know, that a few people appreciate or a lot. I think you should be really proud, and I think uh, Hold You Tight is one such example. Naked Killer, I think, is one such example. She, I, I think it's not a bad role for her to have participated in. You right. Know. How, how about uh, I'm Your Birthday Cake? That's <laughs> uh, a great movie, but not because of her. <laughs> right. Not because of her. Michael Wong makes Michael that Michael Ayah Wong. Playing the most gay character ever. Uh, and it's, he's so wonderful in that movie, Michael Wong. Oh, yeah. So, you know, Iki you know Chang, you have nothing in that movie. Ching Liao, you I, have I watched, nothing in that movie. I watched I'm Your Birthday Cake recently. You know, it was my first time. I've had it for years. My first time. And it it ties into Naked Killer uh, uh, pretty pretty well. Really? Uh, yeah, I yeah. Forgot, yeah. Uh, the, I the, forgot the, the, why. It's why? similar. Yeah. Well, uh, in Naked Killer, what was we'll discuss later, Simon Yam suffers from impotency, you know, priapism as they, as they call it in, in the I'm Your Birthday Cake subtitles. And the <laughs> character in I'm Your Birthday Cake that, that suffers from priapism. And oh, it's yeah, like he's Chang's uh, brother. sitting in a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Michael Wong's character, you know, he's, as we mentioned, he's a flamboyantly gay, and he, ex- he exclaims in the film a few times that there is no woman that can make me hard. Yes. <laughs> and and oh, what, did, what did he say that in English, by the way? Yes, I think so. Yeah! <laughs> yeah. So what, what ends up happening to the guy in the wheelchair, Michael Wong, and Simon Yam is Ching Mi Yao makes them hard. Right on. So it, it's, 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 a, it's a good tie to Naked Killer. So Yao, Yao is just as good as Viagra. <laughs> and I guess okay. that's her career in a nutshell, you know. You can put that on a box with a little tinge yeah. in her smile, like ding! <laughs> Why didn't you exploit that? Right, right. You know, right. Put, put, put her on uh, on the Viagra boxes in Hong Kong when, when that hit Hong Kong later on. So. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's a wonderful movie. I'm your birthday cake. Michael I like Wong. I enjoyed it, yeah. Uh, and nothing else. But, uh, you know, it's uh, to be part of such a terrific era of Hong Kong cinema, late 80s, mid 90s, for Ching Miao, I, I think it's a, a very uh, pleasurable memory also. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, I agree. She 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 felt more like a pretty face, but she proved up because she proved up that standing out. You know, uh, you remembered her. I don't know a little bit from the movies, not just ooh, I like her. Right. You know, she, I, I liked seeing her in movies, and you know, we, we she was a welcome welcome present, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we'll look at God of Gambler's Return. Mm-hmm. You know, she uh, you know she is eye candy in that movie, but man. The, you know what an impact with uh, her in red in that movie. You know when she takes off her coat and she she's revealed to have that very sexy dress on. That's like you know right. it makes Tony Longafai have a nosebleed in God of Gambler's Return <laughs> when watching Ching Miao. So makes men have nosebleed as well. <laughs> so I you know I I I like that she was uh, got to be part of classic movies even of, even if not continually. But uh, you know. It's a career to be proud of, really, and and eventually got to strut her stuff, uh, which I'm right. glad to that, that she could go out on something mature and not um, venture into more. I think it's, a, it's such a cool role to have done and then not do anything else after that. You right. know, to me, that leaves a memory that's uh, worth saving, and uh, it's a good film in its own right. Uh, hold you tight, not for all audiences, mm-hmm. but uh, not uh, pretentious art house as such. It's a uh, very straight movie. Uh, Eric Tsang is in it uh, as well. 
uh, in a dramatic role, and it works very well. Uh, Eric Tsang in a dramatic role, he plays a gay man in that film. Okay, good. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, Ching Mei in a nutshell. Uh, we'll um, have two more actors, but uh, I think uh, we should give uh, everyone a little bit of break, and uh, we'll be right back after that. May lead in Naked Killer is Simon Yam, and he's a lead in uh, about 5,000 movies, and a co-star co- co- and supporting role in about 5,000 movies. Workhorse of Hong Kong cinema. Like my good friend Simon Yam. Yeah, sure. To be honest, <laughs> how much interaction did you have with him? I know you shot an interview with him, but uh, did, did you have a conversation with him or just a few exchanges or what's, what's the extent? A few exchanges, you know, I did my my weird stalker thing, you know. <laughs> hello, hello. Exactly. Hello. Yeah, it was weird. I was I got to the theater uh, uh, early for the interview and, um, and as I was walking into the theater, he was walking out of the theater to, to have a cigarette and, and uh, drink a, uh, some coffee. So he was on the phone. So as he's walking uh, out, I'm walking in, and I see him, and I, I, I freeze like a deer in the headlights. And I don't actually go in the theater. I kind of mill around outside, kind of taking stalker photo shots of, of him, you know, smoking, drinking, and uh, talking on the phone. So I'm trying to set up, you know, how can I, you know, introduce myself. So as he gets off the phone, he, he butts his, his uh, cigarette. He throws his coffee out. He's walking back into theater. I kind of go up to him, you know, and say, hi, you know, I, I really enjoy your work, da, da, da. And he was very gracious, very kind, you know. Mm-hmm. He smiled and, uh, you know, he's, we exchanged a, a few words. And uh, I actually got to see him a, a little bit later during the, the interview that I, that I, I filmed. And um, he's, he's just awesome, man. He's such, a, he's such a cool guy. He was taking pictures with everybody. He was so kind, so generous. Yeah, he was just a great guy. And he was, he was good looking, good looking dude, yeah. Can you believe he's as old as he is? Damn, man. Yeah, I can't believe that. He's he looks just like he did in the late eighties, early nineties. Oh yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. And uh, the quote about him that I pulled because I like pulling quotes. That mm-hmm. means I. Uh, it doesn't mean that I can't do work, but I think uh, good quotes are still good quotes. And uh, this <laughs> uh, this long one though is from Hong Kong Cinema View from the Brooklyn Bridge website. Always a good website for Always, uh, yeah. uh, look up uh, biographical information. So. Quote, when Simon first appears in the film Bulleted Head, looking debonair or debonair, and dashing in his white suit and stubble, he seizes the film from Tony Leung Chiu-Wai and Jackie Chung and wisely and mm. walks away with it. Mm. And the quote continues, Simon has a way of doing that. He even did it with Chai Fat in full contact and with yeah. his over-the-top gay psycho judge. character. Yeah. yeah, judge, masturbate in hell. <laughs> uh... So, continue the quote, he came close with Ching Miao in Naked Killer as an impotent cop looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> Style just drips off Simon like spring rain. He has that confident male on the prowl walk and makes the clothes he wears look like they were freshly, and take, freshly taken out of the pages of GQ magazine. Mm-hmm. Over the decade of the 90s, Simon was one of the Hong Kong's most charismatic and interesting actors, willing to play all different kind of roles, end quote. <laughs> and uh, all that's true. All that right. is true. That's a good um, quote, yeah. Eternally young-looking Simon Yam, uh, apparently 56 years old in 2011. 
That's crazy. That is crazy. And uh, this career goes back to the 70s uh, in TV, at TVB. Mm. And um, eventually got in film, slowly but surely, among other um, other things in movies, such as He Lives by Night, which is this cool, uh, Lung Po Chi-directed uh, giallo-style comedy. Uh, okay. Giallo meaning a kind of an Italian, pattern of the Italian murder mysteries, a la Tenebrae or... Uh, or any Daria Argento movie from the mm-hmm. time. Uh, but uh, the decade of a productive Hong Kong cinema, 80s and again uh, 90s, meant Simon Yam got to hone his skill, his presence, and got to present his working habits to Hong Kong cinema, which uh, can be summed up as a lot. Work a lot. I work a lot. <laughs> and. Uh, that meant he could, you know, uh, start his versatility uh, often, despite being in mm. 60 movies over two years or whatever. And uh, although his enormous skill comes and goes during the 80s and 90s, you know, again, making many movies. Mm. And uh, by the way, I don't know, I, I, I respect Simon as much as I respect, like, Chime Fat for the working method, you know. Right. Work and hone your skill, but also work because there might not be work eventually, you know, treasure mm-hmm. your opportunities which is a very uh, clever stance. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I kind of live by that. I think uh, just in terms of my writing, you know, ju- just keep on writing, keep on writing, keep honing your skill, and eventually something cool will come, up, come out of mm-hmm. that. And, uh, you know, Simon's... W- where it clicked big time for Simon, I think, uh, was uh, in Bulletin Head from 1990. Uh, that's the same year where he appeared in a gay video within a movie, gay video cover within a movie, and that movie is Cypress Tigers, Ooh. and uh, so that tells you a lot of uh, how Simon works. Uh, yeah. What was the movie within the movie called? Was it Gay Cops or something like that? Do you remember? Gay the Hero or something like that? Gay Hero? Gay. So, yeah, some, uh, yeah, gay, gay Hero? Or... Yeah, so there you go. That, that, that's Simon Yamin in, Simon Yam in a nutshell. And it was une- inevitable, really, that Simon Yam would be caught up in some trends, including the Category 3 true crime flick trend. And we saw him play a real-life serial killer, Lam Go Wan, on TV and in Dr. Lam in 1992. He got to play the war veteran with an extreme psycho and killing side in uh, mm-hmm. Run and Kill. Yeah. He got to pay the play the peeping and obsessed fan of a news reporter in Don't Stop My Crazy Love For You, <laughs> where with a classic subtitle, I think that was You Shot My Dicky, How Cruel yes. You Are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the Gigolo movies apparently was a trend in the early mm-hmm. 90s as well, so the handsome Simon Yam was suitable for that role, really. Uh, so he appeared in the two Gigolo and Whore movies, which are more pleasant than those titles sound oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the first one I haven't seen but I think it's more it's more of a pleasant romantic comedy than rather than a, you know, a gigolo and rape a dirty movie no. right right which I wouldn't mind but, uh, <laughs> uh, Cash on Delivery he was in and Hong Kong yes. Gigolo uh, some of which attempted drama Hong Kong Gigolo is a bit serious in tone and uh, a bit harrowing as well and they were not done for cheap exploitation thrills always they, they had attempts in them mm-hmm. but um so, you know, Simon could be suave, of course, but also could be cartoony and ham it up and turn it up. And he did in the mention Full Contact playing the gay yeah. gangster boss psycho uh, judge. And uh, that has the hots for giant fat. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's a wonderful, um, uh, you know, 
over the top movie by Ringo Lam. Uh, absolutely, absolutely great. Doesn't mean anything. Isn't supposed to be serious at all. And just a, an excuse for over the top violence and over the top subtitles and over the top gay stereotyping that works very well. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, it's not reality, and therefore Simon Yam gets a chance to take it up to extreme levels. It's not campy because Judge is a scary character in actuality. Right. Uh, so. The end of the night is marked the formation of Milky Way, Johnny Toe and White Car Fai's uh, production house Milky Way. And Simon got to appear as he, he still does in every movie from Milky Way. <laughs> uh, Robert, and he got to appear in every Hong Kong movie, which he still does. And uh, it happens to be every Milky Way movie as well, because Milky Way was one of the few constant production houses in late 90s Hong Kong cinema. Mm. And uh, therefore, he appears in The Mission, Expect the Unexpected, and also in the stylish... PTU and the two election movies mm-hmm. and for me Simon has, an assu- has had an assured presence since many years back and uh, and he's never really faced typecasting in my opinion because he, he you know he it's controlled diverse. yeah sorry he's diverse uh, absolutely and I think he, he controlled that uh, mm-hmm. I mean uh, even if he appeared in many Gigolo movies in many psycho character parts I, I think he 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 didn't say yes just because he desperately wanted to work. I think he controlled mm-hmm. his fate because he, I think he made roles his own, mm-hmm. uh, especially if they, even if they were uh, psycho characters. And he has never allowed himself to be just one thing because his work speaks for itself. You know, he mm-hmm. has many things, including you know, award-winning acting uh, performances. Right. So, so some of my personal favorites uh, from uh, Yams, and you can mention some of yours as well, even though I might mention them. Too. Uh, of course, Dr. Lamb, mm-hmm. Run and Kill. And, but an obscure one I got kind of blown away by because I, I didn't expect it to be that cool and violent was Bloody Friday. Yes, yes, yes. Where yes. he plays this cop who's not getting any breaks solving this case of a serial killer. You know, it just is mm-hmm. a downward spiral. <laughs> and I think he, uh, he's co stars with uh, Loletta Lee in that one. Yes, yep. And they have a sex scene as well. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's always good. And <laughs> Scarred Memory was this um, triad thriller drama where his character reverts to a childlike state. Mm-hmm. And he did very well in that movie. I think he worked well. Juliet in Love for uh, Ip Man director Wilson Yip. He played a very intimidating gang boss that entrusted his baby to Francis and Sandra's character. Uh, it's a very good movie in its own right. And of course, uh, it's, you know, calm and collected but with violent streaks in him in PTU and election mm-hmm. and the recent psycho turn in Anhoy's uh, frightening domestic abuse drama Night in Fog is uh, quite uh, something else as well he yeah. has he has that still in him and it, it doesn't feel old when Simon Yam snaps no not it's at all scary as fuck and <laughs> you know n- Night in Fog in, man that, that affected me that, that was scary that was realistic that, that was the case of that movie, it's a true story too, and a very yeah. unpleasant true story, and and uh, it's a very brave movie, even though it seems like, hey, here we go, Simon Yam playing a psycho killer, killer again. But uh, yeah, man. one of my one of my favorite movies of the past couple of years, definitely, yeah. definitely, I loved it. I've seen it three times already. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, I, I showed uh, Way actually, and she did not take to it <laughs> like I did. She she hated it, in fact. <laughs> Well, it's you know it, it it's a re- more real movie. I wouldn't blame yeah. anyone for hating yeah. it, or, or maybe saying like I loved it, but I will never watch it again. Kind of. Cause some no, she like just that. did not like the subject matter. She she gets affected very easily by by film, well, which well, is good. which is cool. You know, yeah, I, 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 I like I like watching her watching film because 
the expressions, you know, uh, on her face, it's it's almost child childlike. You know, it's 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 like it's wonder. It's it's yeah. really cool. And she was affected by the film, which is great, which is cool. Yeah, it's uh, she's uh, more human than you and I are. <laughs> yeah, you could say that, sure. Yeah, we are completely lost and uh, desensitized and numb. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Domestic abuse is fun! <laughs> oh, come on! Let's watch it again! <laughs> but what, what, what are some of your other favorites, even though I mentioned it? But, uh... Yeah, you mentioned pretty, pretty much everything, you know, Dr. Lamb. No, I didn't uh, mention everything, because you can't uh, mention everything. You need yeah, four hours for that. Yeah, full contact, of course. Um, Run and Kill is my favorite category three film uh, i think that's my yeah my favorite category three film um don't stop my crazy love for you insanity this is this too there's too too many to mention you know he's done like 200 films this guy yeah. he's it's this his work ethic is unbelievable hmm. unbelievable did you see and, how uh, and like this god memory yes i did i did i um, i i didn't care for it that much uh that was with veronica yeah correct yes yeah yeah I think that was her last film, I think. Uh, yes. Yeah, it was. It was all right. It was okay. Um, I, I, I like seeing him in that role. I think Forty did well in that. Usually, like uh, Academy Award worthy role, where someone plays, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, mentally ill, if you will. I mean, sure. I, 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 I thought he did really well. I, I, I got so affected by one image in, in that movie, uh, when he first is introduced to Veronica Yip and he brings back her shoe and he's like look looks completely like a child. I thought he pulled that off so well. I think, man, man, that's Simon man, this is gonna rock. Uh but so 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 I like that movie overall. Yeah, I know you like Sparrow as well. Sparrow. Yeah, absolutely yeah. recently. I, I I think it's interesting that uh, you know he he plays a lot a lot of cop roles now, a lot of police officer roles. His, I know his father and his brother were p- police officers in uh, really? the Royal Hong Kong Police. Yeah, police force. So it's weird to see him as like a psycho all those years and having his father and his brother actual being actual police officers. Yeah. So yeah, now I guess got this to is pile like, on these uh, police roles via the PTU spin-off movies as well. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. The, the tactical so he, unit movies. He just keeps playing these these roles, and uh, I, I think that's that's pretty cool, you know. And as for Night Night and Fog, I think that should have been an award-winning role over Echoes of the Rainbow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I think was I, that Echoes, one he won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a great film. I mean, it was it was okay, but but Night and Fog, his his character Night and Fog, his performance in Night and Fog, blew. Echoes of the Rainbow out of out of the water. Now it's a, it's a pleasant enough film, you know, uh, but it, it, it was not, nothing to write home about. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe the the award was like a it was like Scorsese winning for uh, The Departed. You know, he should have won for so much more. But you know, let's just yeah. give this guy an award already. You know, I think yeah. that's that's his Echoes of the Rainbow award. Was just let's just give this guy an award. He's just he's just fucking great. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's it's a shame when. You know, a, a really great movie, isn't it? What did I mean? Uh, it's tracking back to an actor we briefly mentioned before, Lao Ching Wan. Mm-hmm. When he finally won, it was for the movie I thought that he deserved winning for, and it was uh, My Name is Fame, mm-hmm. where yeah, he played yeah. a struggling actor. Right, you right. know, it was such a positive movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I loved My uh, My Name is Fame. Yeah, me too. So um, I don't think Simon appeared in that uh, because they had some celebrity cameos and stuff. Uh, even yeah, Tony yeah. Leung Garfai playing himself. And Hoy was in there, yeah. Yeah, and uh, oh, it was very funny. <laughs> and Hoy played a director in that movie universe who only directed action Actions. movies. Action, <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of fun. And uh, uh, Samson Choi was in that movie as well, yes. that uh, uh, Golden Chicken director. So, yeah, uh, I recommend that. My Name is Fame, uh, Simon Yamanot. Uh, it's a very pleasant uh, pleasant film about str- a struggling actor. No, mm. Not depressing at all. Very positive, uplifting, uplifting film. Mm. So, uh, 
so these are latter day performances obviously and the, the actors we're going to talk about now has done some great latter day performances as well even though some are 10 11 years old by now but they're after like the the era we remember these actors from there was some great latter day performances that we'll uh, talk about so what what do you want to say about Carrie um Carrie I guess her her film persona is is quite like um Yao. she's kind of uh I guess by western audience standards like this sex pot actress she's slinky vampy and uh I guess maybe synonymous with naked killer mostly um but she she's leaps and friggin bounds more than a category 3 ac- actress and um yeah. she's made maybe, maybe Ten category three films, and like Chingmi, she she's uh, shied away from from nudity, which again I don't I don't mind because she's so much more of uh, of uh, of an actress than she is a a a piece of cake, if you will. If I remember correctly, Naked Killer is probably the most explicit role she ever did in terms of erotica appearing yes. in erotica. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though she yeah. made those you know some silly late nineties films like you mentioned, like Evil Instinct, you know that wasn't uh, didn't didn't really scrape the surface of uh, of Naked no. Killer. And uh, she started out in TVB as well, and she made a few minor appearances here and there. And uh, her official—well, uh, it's not her official debut, but I'll say it's her official debut. It was in a—it's uh, her coming out party, so to speak, in a small, low-budget indie film. Maybe you heard of it called *City on Fire*. And uh, it was—it's a, a real shit film, you know. But uh, <laughs> ah. but uh, she, she she wasn't that. And she was Chinese fat's girlfriend, if, if I remember. I haven't seen the film in ages, yeah. but yeah. yeah, yeah. She cries so. in that movie. That's actually. <laughs> So I mean, from then on, you know, through the early 2000s, she made, you know, her way into every every genre, and uh, with with a ton of success. You know, she was very, you know, like I said, her her look is very long, sleek, and sexy, and uh, I guess it was natural to put her into uh, category three films. She was in Sex and Zen, like we uh, mentioned last podcast, and uh, that was a minor role. Though. Yeah, yeah, very minor one. You know, not 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 too sexy, but she's like the mama son of of, of the brothel. So yeah, and uh, I think Naked Killer came the following year. And um, I guess signaling that she is actually more of a professional actress than a Category 3 piece of meat, like I, I guess some exploitation uh, uh, viewers uh, see her as, uh, Carrie won the Best Actress Award at the 1993 Golden Horse Awards. It was Best Actress, I believe, um, for Remains of a Woman. Yeah, from, uh, yeah she's uh, certainly uh, leading, yeah, leading yeah. not supporting at all. But, uh, yeah. Right, and that's, that's a film I know. I know you died. I dug it. I know you liked it. And um, yeah. I think, I think it's, it's better than its rival film, Legal Innocence. Yeah they, they, yeah, they were based on the same crime, weren't they? Yeah, the body and the, the body. Real, real life crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, that, you know, that, that movie, that movie was, was fine, but Remains of a Woman, Woman, for me, stands a bit higher than Legal Innocence. And uh, mm-hmm. I know I haven't seen The Kid. Have you seen The Kid, the Abs- Jacob Chong I, film? I have seen it. It's an yeah. a, a absolutely wonderful film. I'll really? talk a bit about it in, in a few minutes. All right, yeah, I, that's on my uh, to-watch list. I, I have the VCD, but uh, I don't know when I'm gonna, gonna I'm gonna get to that. I have so much uh, so much other crap to watch. Yeah, but uh, I can inspire you a little bit. But uh, yeah, go on. Okay, cool, cool. And uh, one of, one of my favorite Carrie Young films that I that I, I I've seen recently was the first time is the last time. Yes. With Andy Lau, 1999. It's 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 a woman in prison film. It's the same prototype that you've seen you know time and again. But she really, you know, she gives like an acting clinic, you know, run, running the gamut of emotions here. Really and, you know, you've seen that? Like a cut the, I, I have seen it. I think yeah. it's really good. It isn't really cut out of the like cheap WIP mold, if you will, no, in the prison no. because it is a valid drama. Andy Lau may be on the cover, but he's he's has a, a bit lesser. Player. Yeah. He's a bit player. He's a, it's more of a season ma. Uh, movie uh, yeah, and, yeah. They, and carrying a supporting role, a very 
good one though. I think she was nominated for that one, uh, and it had that movie had an, a few other uh, nominations, so it got recognized. Even though yep. it's uh, it was lost up in essentially up until Maya released a remastered version of it uh, a few years ago. So right. you, you can find it probably on Hong Kong DVD by Maya for a cheap price, and I do recommend it. Uh, That's where I saw. I think I, I saw it on Winston. I had the Winston VCD, and it was unsubbed. I had it for years, and I finally, you know, found a, a subtitled DVD, and yeah. oh man, I was so happy I found that. That was I, uh, I, I saw it a few months ago, and I was like, that was like a major find for me. Like, oh yeah. man, I finally get to watch this, and it was uh, it didn't disappoint really. <laughs> I heard when it when it was subbed on on the cinema print, they, I heard a rumor that the the last ten minutes of the film weren't subbed. They actually oh, really? managed to fuck up the subtitling <laughs> for the last 10 minutes of the film. That, that sounds but, about right for Hong Kong, yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but the DVD rectified that, but I think uh, the, the sh- there is some dialogue during the end credits that is, isn't subtitled, but that is also part for the course for Hong Kong cinema because right. when the credits roll, the subtitler's job is done <laughs> normally. <laughs> so if you have a code or something like comedic code or shit like that, yeah, you yeah. know, d- d- don't have that during the end credits. <laughs> So Carrie kind of she retired, you know. I guess it's an an unofficial retirement because uh, she's made two films in the past couple of years, a uh, Hong Kong thriller called Red Knights, mm-hmm. and uh, also I think a movie called High Fidelity, not to be confused with the mm-hmm. the John Cusack film. Wrong. Ro- it's like High Fidelity. High Fidelity. Yeah. yeah exactly. It's exactly. High comma. Well, well right. it's not even High High I G H. It's right, High. Right. Uh, so I'm I'm happy that she's back. At least you know. For a little bit, you know. Absolutely, I think. Uh, yeah. I think our good friends at the East Screen West Screen um, uh, reviewed High Fidelity. So go to concast.com to hear a rev- mm-hmm. review of that. And and as a plug, go go to concast.com and East Screen West Screen podcast for reviews of uh, the any new Hong Kong movie playing in the yeah. cinema. So uh, it's a fun fun podcast. I like yeah, that. They did a good uh, podcast on 3D, Sex and Zen, and uh, we're kind enough to mention us as well. So. Consider a favor, return again. You're doing great, guys. Indeed. Uh, uh, any other, other personal favorites? Out of no, the Carrie Cannon? Uh, no, no, not really. I think I mentioned uh, pretty much, you know, everything. How about you? I, I, I like a lot, and a lot of the movies that, that, that <laughs> you mentioned. Uh, you know, here's an actress that feels feels like, but isn't really like an image again because of, as you said, the reputation she does have. Right. But, but I think if she feels like an image. That has to do with presence as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, people remember her, her, you know, red lips, if you will. The image of glamour. Uh, uh, I think she is like, uh, she has that in early 90s films. You, you know, she could, you know, they dressed her very well in movies, you know. Right. Uh, very, very, not, not sexy in an erotic way, but, you know, a very sexy, you know, clothed way. (laughs) Uh, And again, those red lips. And uh, she had a sophisticated manner about it, certain films. And um, I think category free cinema certainly needed that too, you know, not just low, not just, uh, you know, all out uh, nudity and uh, sexually charged. It's kind of funny that that the the three actresses that are kind of synonymous with category three to um, Western viewers, um, Amy Yip, Carrie Un, and Ching Miao don't actually show nudity, really. Yeah, that's uh, you know? kind of ironic, yeah. It's so weird, yeah. That has to do with presence, uh, and, uh, and uh, even if some some of that is annoying, as we talked about uh, last time on the Sex and Sam podcast, that Amy Yip <laughs> went to the length she did to not yeah. show. I mean, the, these actresses didn't, you know, oh. Carrie and uh, Ching Mi. 
they didn't uh, tease us uh, in an annoying way, but uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're all great. And again, Carrie was part of this perfect period uh, in Hong Kong cinema where she got to act in and against the very best, including uh, versus Chang Fat in City on Fire, one mm-hmm. of my earliest Hong Kong cinema experiences and one of my absolute favorites. And uh, again, nominated for a prison drama, first time is the last time. Has a small role as the mama son of the brothel, training Amy Yip, uh, which <laughs> makes that uh, the training methods are very memorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it makes that role memorable. So uh, and remains of a woman again. But when all of those qualities I just mentioned, uh, the ma- uh, the makeup, the image of glamour, and those red lips were completely stripped from her. Mm-hmm. She got better, uh, and that is her. That is the uh, uh, her performance in uh, Jacob Chung's The Kid, where she's it's no makeup on, completely dressed down, looks older, just plays a you know resident uh, at a at a house that uh, has multiple, you know, uh, she has a connection with uh, Dick Lung's uh, character, who plays uh, uh, Dick Lung plays a cop, and uh, it's just a wonderful performance. Uh, it's I wouldn't say subtle because you do get it, but you know it's just a great acting performance. I, I guess it comes down to that. And her scenes against Dick Lung are, are a total treat. And uh, the entire movie is—it stars uh, Leslie Cheung as well. Uh, just a great heartwarming movie, to be honest, and uh, and a heartbreaking movie too. So I, I recommend the kid. Uh, Not—it's just a straightforward drama, and mm. not long either. And uh, if you appreciate it. Jacob's qualities as dramatic director. I don't know mm. if you've seen much of his uh, work. Sure, uh, sure. Uh, yeah. uh, Cage Man and whatever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Midnight Fly, I think, uh, was mm-hmm. one of his. Uh, although Midnight Fly was a punishing movie, but uh, still a, uh, one of his better ones. And uh, y- d- as a, another side, d- did you see Battle of Wits? No, I did not. Right, right, right. It's no. a big budget movie renamed Battle of the Warriors in, okay. in the States. I did, uh, however, see recently see um, Lover's Tear for the first time. Right. What do you think of that? Wonderful. Really? Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not the the action wasn't overstated. It was more of a drama, which was, it was great. Everyone was, uh, Lam Ching Ying just stood out for me. Again, wonderful. La- Lam Ching Ying, Elvis Choi, and uh, Nina Lee. Uh, mm-hmm. And even Samo. out the most. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, an action cast, cast in an action drama, really. An actual mm-hmm. action drama. <laughs> right. Uh, the only one I didn't like uh, in that movie was Nice Singh. I think uh, he didn't really work that lead role. Didn't sink the movie though. At all. Oh no, I thought I thought it was alright. Yeah. yeah, I, I yeah, did, yeah I it was alright. Compared Colin to, Chow, I think him. Yeah. Yeah, but compared to the other cast, you know, he he came yeah. off as the weakest one. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, shame that movie's not readily available. Lovers Tear, but um, no. uh, ca- not to be confused with what is that other movie? Lovers Tears with uh, Derek Yee. And calm men, calm man Lee. It's a, another drama made later on, but the, uh, you have to keep them separate. Lovers tear and lovers tears. <laughs> it's tough, but, but at least it's not called. N- at least not called those were the days. <laughs> <laughs> Part twenty. <Yeah. laughs> exactly. Jeez. Every every movie in Hong Kong cinema for some time were called uh, those were the days, including a uh, uh, Billy Tang movie was called uh, those were the days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a bit of a drug drama, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. if I remember. Eric Mu. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, so those are the casting crew, people, and uh, that will lead us into the movie discussion of Naked Killer. And by the way, if you look at the podcast post on the podcastonfire.com website, we we have started posting uh, running uh, running times, if you will, uh, in the podcast post where 
and when we discuss specific aspects of the movie. So if you like want to fast forward to whatever happens at the two hour mark, uh, you know, there, there, there is a guide and will be a guide in this podcast post uh, where we touch upon uh, certain uh, subjects because we, we do we, we do blabber on uh, uh, for quite a while so we need some uh, uh, we need some running times to uh, to help you out guys so mm-hmm. no worries about that so after break naked killer review So welcome back, and we're at the review stage, and for Naked Killer, and the plot synopsis for this one that I took from IMDb. So after viewing her violent tendencies towards men, hitwoman Cindy, played by UI, recruits Kitty, Ching Miao's character, and begins training her in the ways of a professional killer. Kitty soon becomes proficient in her work, taking out several targets that had proved in uh, previous to lesser male hitmen. Things begin to take a dark turn, however, when she finds herself falling for T-Man, which is Simon Yam's character, a policeman investigating one of Kitty's recent jobs. Will she be able to resolve her professional life with her private one? So, so, so there you go. Mm. King, start us off. What do you think of the film, first of all? I, I dig it. I enjoy it. Um, uh, like you said earlier, it's kind of... Uh, uh, I, over the years, I've gone back and forth with the film. Uh, initially, I really, really dug it because it's what um, drew me to Hong Kong cinema, the, this irreverency, this just bang, bang, bang violence and, and, and oddness that I wasn't, I wasn't used to. And as I started getting into Hong Kong cinema more and seeing more Category 3 films, you know, I watched it again. And I said, you know, this, in relation to the other Category 3 films that I was watching and enjoying, this, you know, really isn't my cup of tea. It's not up, you know, up my alley anymore. Mm-hmm. And then watching it again a few years later, I said, you know what, this movie kicks ass. <laughs> now, what, what, what was I thinking? <laughs> yeah, yeah um, I can totally relate to that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, re- I really dig it. How about you? I, 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 I do finally have, I have finally decided that I really, really dig it for, mm-hmm. uh, for many reasons. But I think I, I finally, I finally seen it. <laughs> you know, this time. <laughs> right. Because now I'm a bit more, a bit better at looking at a movie in terms of reviewing it and appreciating its aspects, which is not always a needed thing for sure. uh, because there are different film appreciation out there uh so so obviously we we talked about the, a few different um, you know technical aspects of the film and uh, we we are going to continue talking about that because i think they're very much uh vital aspects of why the film works so um so so again wong jing's production company wanted to end uh, with a bang um they did Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> which makes the outline again of Wong Jing in the production logo warranted. <laughs> and uh, starting a little, little uh, dissecting the film, the, the Peter Pao shot the intro of the main cast in this abstract, stylish footage, merely done for film mood. It just sets the tone perfectly, and we we realize that it's it's going to be like that. The movie it's going to be ramped up to eleven. Right. You know this style, and that that I mean, have you ever seen a you know, a pre-reel slash a trailer like that in Hong Kong, where they put, uh, you know, specific footage in in the trailer uh, promoting the movie. Have you ever I, seen that? I, yeah. I don't. I don't think so. I don't. I, I 
No, I don't think so. I mean, normally it's just that four or five minutes of you right. know, s- stuff edited into a, a trailer that's. And they, way they even en- enlisted Peter Powell directly for the trailer. You know, they. Uh, uh, yeah. That's 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 unheard of. And 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 it's cool though that w- that William Yim manages to you know, match that throughout the movie mm-hmm. uh, yeah, because, yeah. I, because I don't think Peter like ghost shot <laughs> in the movie. No, no, I had no all. idea until recently that that was the case. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Clar- Clarence told that story as well on 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 the in his interview that is on the DVDs of the film. Uh, for for me, who was not like into the cat free scene when I first saw it, well, which might have been ninety. Well, well, I did saw it, see it on DVD for the first time, so it might have been like 98 or 99 or 2000, mm-hmm. uh, one of my first imports from from uh, Hong Kong, which via a Swedish store, so it was mighty expensive, no 40 <laughs> Hong Kong dollars there, probably around about 200, 300 Hong Kong dollars, but, uh, and I don't have it anymore, so, oh. uh, but uh, when I first saw it, uh, I mean, m- my attraction to it was, because uh, I knew it had uh, Hong Kong uh, gunplay, heroic bloodshed, mm-hmm. and and I kind of was maybe disappointed that it didn't have enough of it. I mean, uh, at whatever age I was at that time, I, I, I of course had nothing against uh, nudity and erotica and all of that, but right. uh, I don't know, it's, it never stayed with me during that first time. I sort of think a second time liked it a bit, liked it, a bit more than then didn't like it at all and finally thoroughly love it so i don't know it's uh it's a it's a strange relationship so- sometimes with movies yeah uh but this one finally as i said you know there's the three words i connect to it you know s- elegance and style and costumes and uh it's clarence fox style realized very well yeah because yeah. uh, it's in several of the movies the the glamorous and long flow in costume design. Right. It's very artsy for for the type of film it is. It's very artsy fartsy. But 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 that I think he he does well because he turns the movie into a hyper real movie. Mm-hmm. You know, via the costumes and the set design as well, and the various uh, action scenes, uh, various recognizable Hong Kong style gunplay scenes mm-hmm. becomes a part of that. You know, stylish choice. You know, it makes sense that. We have, you know, the Wucha style feats in modern setting with, you know, with guns, you know, uh, on on wires and all of that. So even though there's not a whole lot of that, but it makes sense to have that for for me. I, I react to it uh, that way, and uh, it's kind of trippy to w- watching the movie from a design standpoint that it, mm-hmm. it is so hyper real. And sure. um, and again, you can see some of that in in The Greatest Lover uh, as mm-hmm. well. Uh, maybe not as trippy, but I just remember it was a well costumed uh, film and the leads look uh, look great under under his eye because I think a lot of that comes from Clarence's actual eye you know mm-hmm. it's not just costume design uh, costume designer doing the work while he's away sleeping or anything like that like right. like you hear with Wong Jing's movies you know uh, I think Richard Norton talked of when working on City Hunter that uh, you know he could see Wong Jing in the corner writing some jokes and laughing to himself while <laughs> the action director worked you know doing his scenes and, uh, right. and you know, you know that, uh, that's fine you have to you have to give responsibilities to mm-hmm. the people that uh, you know do them best and uh, I think uh, Wong Jing necessarily wasn't uh, didn't have a vision for action, so why not let someone who, right. who has I think that, that was that was the case though in, in I think many films uh, of of the time in Hong Kong where there there were uh, a director and an action director 
and they kind of gave leeway to each other during a film. It was like a filmmaking yeah. by by committee, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even like um, getting co-directing credits. I mean, the heroic trio is uh, co-directed by Johnny Toe and uh, Ching Su Dong. Right. Uh, and I think maybe Ching got got something to say about the narrative, but still, I think he his main focus was on the action mm-hmm. to a point where, you know, why not let him get a co directing credit because sure. really that's probably the case if you do the math <laughs> right. so uh, but Nicky Kill obviously for, for it all style and elegance it obviously has the violence and the gore as well right. it's also well. clean clean and sleek looking yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, when the gore hits during that clean and sleek looking opening yeah. you know uh, it's kind of whoa <laughs> you know, when Carrie, you know, does her opening uh, murder, you know, with yeah, the yeah. weight bars and the handlebar, she crushes the head of a wick- victim and shoots him in the cock. <laughs> but, ah, okay, that's that kind of movie. These, I don't like these ladies. <laughs> these ladies are not nice. <laughs> but, uh, has that type of violence ever been, like, shocking in your eyes, you know, in, uh, in your early, like, stage of watching Hong Kong cinema violence? Because it's kind of like, boom. Boom, kind of violence. Right, right. I don't, I don't know. Shocking, maybe. It, it was, it was surprising, you know, because you don't, you don't really see that in in Western film, you know. And it's something that that did, uh, I guess, open my eyes to to Hong Kong cinema and want me to uh, more cock, cock well, shots, yeah. more cock shots. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, wait, well, wait for my last Lizzie movie movies watch if you want more cock. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's it's that kind of uh, uh, that violence that. That uh, it's it's very seedy, it's very uh, tasteless. Yeah, you know, it's 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 always interesting. And, and it's done to men. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Movie. But you know what? I I thought of this one watching this movie. Now a million movies into my Hong Kong cinema watching, <laughs> this could have been the case of a great Hong Kong movie opening, that then derailed into a, like a fucking My Lucky Stars type of movie with uh, lots of oogling and broad comedy. Right, but it doesn't. No, no. You know, no. It's a case of uh, Clarence Fox directed. They came to rob Hong Kong, and that movie, for me, sucked. Yeah, it did suck because I hated that movie. But the first, the first scene, like a kid, it has a kick-ass opening action scene, and right. then Stanley Fung and Eric Tsang comes in and do oh, their. God. Essentially, it's a Lucky Stars movie. Obviously. It was unbearable. So it could have happened. Sure. But Naked Killer keeps it cool, thankfully, <laughs> and Simon Yam entrance uh, corresponds to that where he's well groomed got the cool glasses but I have to say that he probably arrived to the set looking that way right right it's, it's, his, <laughs> it's his persona that's his persona he yeah. you know, it, yeah, lent, lent great to this film the only thing they had to add was the fact that his character was scarred mentally and was yeah. impotent <laughs> uh, he was not a gigolo no no exactly it uh, couldn't have been uh, so he stands out in his furious kind of stylish way though because the way they they, they they flash back to his traumatic experience, you know, with the tilted angles and close-up angles, and everything yeah. is very traumatic for him. He like puts his hands in his face. I'm traumatized, <laughs> but it's it, it's fun it, because the movie you realize is on this you know amp to eleven path, you right. know, uh, and probably is not going to be serious at any point. And uh, and and Ching Mei's entrance there continues that kind of theme where she. At the salon, uh, the hair salon, where she stands out eventually in the scene in this sexy, furious kind of way, you know. Right. And far from just being cast in a lazy way by, by Wong Jing. Right, she, she plays against her, her type uh, up to this point in her career. She's, she was always like a, the, the soft, 
uh, character in, in a film, and this uh, this really really changed her 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 career the way the direct the, the direction it went. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, it, it's a role for the guys, obviously. Oh yeah. Uh, but she's not that damsel in distress. So cute, cute girl. You know, oh, making she's, a she's ma- tough, tough girl. Yeah, exactly. No peace signs, uh, you know, at the camera. <laughs> Yay! No, nothing like that. You, you know, the character of Kitty is this over-the-top, moody, out-of-control, prone-to-violence character before she is, uh, you know, being trained by by Sister Cindy. And, uh, <laughs> again, because this is not a drama, not a realistic movie that doesn't say anything, I, I, I don't think it's realistic that she comes from a working-class family... <laughs> You know, because she, she's all made up in very sexy way and then goes home to her dad who runs a food stall. Yeah. And kind of like, does she come from this family? Can, oh, well, apparently she does. <laughs> and and you, you you just go with it. Right. Because it, it is this kind of hyper-real world where you, you don't need to think about things like that. But, but I, I, I did notice it and thought uh, that was kind of fun. <laughs> uh, and it's serviceable string for the story. Sure. That is about, you know, her dad gets killed by Ken Lowe's Ken Lowe. <laughs> yeah, Ken Lowe, Jack Chan's former bodyguard, Ken Lowe, is in this movie. And uh, because her, the mom has found so, someone uh, someone uh, more wealthier that she could sleep yeah. with. And younger. And younger. Yes. And, uh, and it's that kind of cynic stance the movie does have mm-hmm. that everybody can fuck over everybody for financial gain. But uh, yeah. again, it's not... It's not heavy-duty drama. It's uh, it's a serviceable string for for Ching me out to uh, to get into her training and uh, <laughs> and um, where, when you do get to that uh, scene where she wants uh, revenge on Ken Lo by going to the office and blasting away, and mm-hmm. it was that shot when she arrives to the office and just blasts away that I saw in the trailer. It's like, yay, that's for me. That's a road <laughs> bloodshed, man. And, and it is fun, but. That wasn't what the movie was fully. I, I, no, no. I, I mean, I, in the trailer, is, sexy stuff and shit is there, but I still like took away guns, 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 guns. Right. I want guns, I want guns. They shot once, I want that. <laughs> you know, shot one bullet, I want that. Shot in the air once, I want that. You know, I, I got, got every movie I could get my hands on then, you know, which right. was not many, but uh, I, I was that way, and, uh, and I still like it. Uh, I still like the feeling of uh, Hong Kong gun, gunplay. Uh, but <laughs> so. Yeah, we we're doing a little bit, little bit of scene by scene stuff here, but 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 it is memorable because as is the theme in Hong Kong cinema and this kind of exploitation cinema, the rapists in men are never far off, because mm-hmm. Ken Lo orders his like henchman rape her, right, and, right. and they will, but and they try, but uh, they, they never uh, never get that far, yeah. They never get that far, and uh, there is some unpleasant violence towards women in this movie. It needs to be said, uh, in particular in the salon where. One of the hairdressers uh, kicks this uh, oh, apparently yeah. pregnant woman in the stomach, and that's not cool. That is no. not cool. No. Uh, being shot in the cock is not cool either. So <laughs> it kind of balances out. <laughs> but, uh, that, yeah. yeah. And then Ken Lo or one of his henchmen that kicks uh, Ching Mei out in the, the crotch. Legs. Yeah. yeah. Stomping nice. on her. Yeah. Not cool. <laughs> You know, we started this podcast by saying when moments when Charlie Cho is not cool, and we, you know, we we can still be fans despite uh, things turning dark. Right, right. But 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 the movie do, does direct violence towards both sexes, does it? <laughs> In a weird way, maybe it doesn't hold up that argument, but it's <laughs> it, it's balanced, you know. But uh, that that action directing, we're gonna stop and talk about that a little bit more. Again, Clarence Fox action is very quick cut dissing mm. cool and it's a workout for everybody involved but uh, you know again what, what, 
is it easy to describe for you why his action works in these two or three movies? You know, uh, it's like I mentioned earlier. It's it's this type of action that really uh, made me kind of cut ties with American action films and just seek out Hong Kong action films only. You know, it's 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 stylized. It's you know very very quickly edited. It's it's eye candy. It it really is. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes it's incoherent, like we like we mentioned, especially with with Clarence Falk. But uh, Especially this this time in filmmaking and Hong Kong filmmaking, this is uh, they they call it the, the salad days or the heyday for a reason. You know, a lot, a lot of people took to this uh, Western audiences and and were were really on board with this with this this full blast type of uh, action filmmaking. Oh yeah, I, I, no wonder I responded either to it, uh, whether it was Clarence Fox's vision or John Woo's vision, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's dissing and fast cut, but not in a bad way, and it has energy. And this yeah. parking garage shootout, which is That's the great. Uh, UI's yeah. uh, intro. And it is a creative workout for all involved. Darren yeah. Fock, the action director, which is, uh, let's see, I'm going to pull up his uh, creative things. Lau Shung Fong, who also worked on as action director on Gun and Rose as for Clarence Fock the same year. And it's, you know, the stuntman gets a workout, the editor <laughs> that puts together this, and the mix between actors and doubles, I think, is a very, of very high standard. Right. Uh, despite being, you know, very, whoa, what happens, what happens, whoa, everything, everything is tilting, and everything, whoa, whoa those are flying, and whoa, boom, <laughs> boom! <laughs> yeah, no, you, 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 you kind of get like a kid watching it. This is cool, yeah. and, it, and it still is cool. You know, he has aged well, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, stands out even more. Like this is Fox Vision a bit more. I think he stayed on the set when the action director worked. Right, right. You know, <laughs> but the uh, so-called UI Cindy takes in uh, Kit's character, and uh, you know the, the 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 grand house that she lives in and has her training chambers in mm-hmm. is the, again a terrific <laughs> time for mentioned elegance and costume design, including. Uh, the way she looks. I mean, just look at the bright colors of a chessboard type floor, the black and white floor, mm-hmm. uh, in that added scene in the director's cut where they are lying on the sofa. Just pure, probably style over substance, but I don't think there is substance, and therefore no. it's okay in this movie's case to, you know, indulge in style. You know, it, it's a carefully framed painting, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, I'm going to stop a little bit here. Uh, and bring in intimate confessions from a Chinese quarter zone because th- this story strand uh, when Kitty is brought into the arms of Cindy and, and when she's uh, recreated as a woman and uh, taught to be an assassin, uh, it, it's similar to intimate confessions of a Chinese quarter zone, if my rem- memory is correct. Right, right. So, so w- w- what are your like basic, uh, you know, uh, spontaneous thoughts on how these two movies connect? I, I think uh, Naked Killer is more. Ex- exploitative than intimate confessions but less um subtext rich i i guess i i don't see any subtext in uh in naked killer maybe there is some i i missed it but um it's it's they're very similar uh, i guess intimate confessions really portrays men as evil dirty and lecherous and uh, i guess it's a common thread especially the scene you i guess you were about to mention that uh in uh in cindy's basement they keep a <laughs> a rapist, you know, and the way they portray the rapist is drooling and just nasty, and uh, uh, it it kind of uh, harkens back to intimate confessions as uh, the the film portrays its men. 
like I said, dirty, lecherous. Uh, they're full of vice and lustful. Uh, one guy's an alcoholic, another's a sex addict, and uh, they, they drug their women, they rape their women. It's 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 really yeah, it's it's this it's distasteful, but presented in a tasteful way, you know, because because it is it's a costume uh, uh, drama, if you will. Yeah. And there's a, a different uh, power struggle between the sexes, and uh, you know there's a scene in, in *Intimate Confessions* where um, a handful of men they bid money to win the services of, of Lily, Lily Ho. Mm-hmm. It really just paints men in a damning light, and uh, uh, I guess you, you can see that in, in, in *Naked Killer*. You know, uh, uh, Cindy wants to uh, take Kitty under her wing. You know, men are evil. You know, you shouldn't fall in love with Simon Yam. We're here to kill those. You know. These, these bastards mm-hmm. so it's 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 uh definitely uh, uh relatable to intimate confessions and um i mean sorry, in 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 uh, overall uh, i mean i have seen it multiple times but i think i've forgotten uh, the beats of it. it it was a revenge storyline in uh, intimate confessions as well yes yes yeah. yes so i mean uh, uh, i don't remember if she necessarily was falling in love in that movie it was just you know her revenge was important more than right. Right. That was the, the I think the main theme of the of the, of yeah. the film was was re- revenge because, uh, on, on surface you, uh, at least. Yeah. Yeah, because Yu Hua was the you know the Simon Yam character, the, co- mm-hmm. the investigator, the detective, a yes. cop. But I don't think they had a romantic uh, a romantic thing in that movie. Or, or am no, I no. But at, at, the, at the end, uh, I guess when when uh, she 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 dies. I guess if I spoiled it, but uh, you know she dies like in in Yu Hua's arms. So right, right, right. there was kind of like uh you know he he did have uh, uh some feeling toward her. Yeah. So you you can definitely see it. They see did that. it right away in the sunset uh, a la Vimalation no, 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 uh, no. version. <laughs> and even in Naked Killer it's it's a downbeat ending, you know. Yeah. They're, they're very very similar uh affairs. Mm. The, the the scene in the basement in Naked Killer is uh you know uh of course, Cindy has a cobweb gothic training chamber <laughs> with chained pedophiles that looks like they've had bull aphrodisiac injected into them a la a Serbian film. Of oh, course! Jeez. You know, and... Uh, <laughs> <it's>, wow. <laughs> you know, we talked about rapists not being uh, far off, uh, and uh, they're definitely not far off in these men. Like, when they see women, they are animals. You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's a training chamber, a la, you know, old-timey martial arts, uh, martial arts movie. Like, uh, maybe that's the 69th chamber of Shaolin. You know? <laughs> hey, hey, I like that. Yeah. So uh, it's it's good fun, actually. <laughs> and uh, they do survive that encounter, uh, the women, not uh, not the rapists as such. They meet a very g- grim death. Right. I mean, the, the violence is such, I mean, it's it's pretty cheap. Cheaply but effectively done. It's mostly like blood pack violence, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Just easily rigged up, you know, blood pack uh, type of, type style uh, violence, if you will. Uh, but but it still works. It still works. But because I think the most um, creative piece of violence uh, in the film, uh, which I want to single out, is set at the disco in Japan. Mm. Where Ching Miao's character and UI are are there to take out this mob guy, I guess, and they they are at the disco and dancing sensually and around him and slowly but surely they are wrapping him probably in like piano wire yeah, yeah. to like just snap him into f- ten pieces, uh, you know, just pull him into ten different pieces and the beats of the editing uh, and the music and when the violence hits is absolutely terrific because the main thing we see is the result of their training on a dummy in mm-hmm. uh, at home 
how you know we, we see the dummy torn apart and right. just brief snippets of this horrific death <laughs> that this j- Japanese gang boss uh, you know gets but, but but I think that editing was so classy it works so well that scene uh, really admire the way, way the way they put that together They're very stylish very, very stylish. stylish yeah so one of the cuts in the movie that we mentioned was um, uh, bleep on on the audio of the of the film and it's that in mm-hmm. it in that cross disgusting but <laughs> awesome scene yeah. not directed by Clarence Falk another director came in he said that it's a police investigation that takes place at a house another victim uh, that Simon Yam has to you know look at and investigate uh, and another penis has been cut off <laughs> and of course uh, while they're investigating the cops uh, has to have a breakfast so they sure. order a breakfast sausage a breakfast yeah. sausage <laughs> and everybody's looking for the penis and eventually the penis falls into uh, the uh, the, uh, the breakfast the, the breakfast yeah. yeah and in the end Hoi Siu Hung which is a Milky Way veteran ends up eating the penis instead of the sausage he like really jams it into his mouth too yeah yeah um, <laughs> but it's great it's a cross broad scene one of the broadest comedy scenes yeah uh, <laughs> dude <laughs> And uh, Simon Yam almost eats it, and then Hoi Siu Hung comes in, in you know, comes in it's, instead. It's, it's like the scene in Doctor in, in uh, Doctor Lamb, the yeah. one that I that I don't think should be there, but I'm I'm fucking happy it's there. You know, the 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 breast scene. You know, it's this it's a really broad comedic scene in this dark film. I mean, in Naked Killer's case, it wasn't a dark film, but it was like this revenge actiony thriller, and all of a sudden, this really irreverent, silly sausage penis eating scene mm-hmm. is is crammed in there and it's fucking hysterical and it works <laughs> and the reason they censored it i think they they, they don't say cock or penis no no but yeah. the, the cantonese uh, term for little uh, uh translates to little brother and i think mm-hmm. you know little brother slang is yeah. offensive enough for for censors the censors so beep yeah. loud as hell probably beep right you know uh, watching Hoi Siu Hung uh, camp it up. Uh, <laughs> his dubber, his English dubber, by the way, has this really high pitched voice. Hey! Hey, oh, really? <laughs> oh, oh, Not Cartman like, but uh, high pitched as hell, you know. Fits that character. Uh, Hoi Siu Hung is, you know, kind of the comedic relief in certain Milky Way films as well, uh, but uh, in breaking news, I think he, like, farts, like, twice. And, <laughs> you know, so there you go. But uh, still, uh, as it's part of the cop team in Expect the Unexpected. Uh, right. Yeah, right. P- part of the movie, actually. But not, not the dramatic actor as such, uh, but because no, uh, no, no. he looks goofy, Hoi, Hoi Siu Hung, yeah. but... Uh, there you go. Well, he has glasses on, so he has to be goofy, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, maybe in earlier films, uh, pervert, because he has glasses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so believe it or not, the nudity only hits halfway yeah. into the film yeah. via Japanese talents, and that tells you about something about the non-category-free attentions that Wong Jing or Fok, you know, said. You know, they didn't have those intentions. They mm-hmm. wanted to be be a bit more thoughtful, thoughtful with structure this time around. And they are, despite getting the category free rating. Because I don't know, I didn't miss the nudity as such. Did you? No, no, there wasn't. There wasn't much. And I said it earlier that, in fact, Intimate Confessions twenty years earlier had more nudity than Naked Killer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, it, it kind of works. I mean, and it's when it hits. You know, we have this. Uh, aftermath of a um, uh, pool murder, and the yeah, pool yeah. is obviously drenched in blood. And there, there is uh, Karyum and uh, Baby, the character Baby, 
lying there aroused in a pool of blood, which is a terrific, disgusting visual. Yeah, you know? yeah. I absolutely dug that. You know, they, they, these ri- this rival killing team, they, they are into their job big time. Right. So, uh, and this also points the scene. This, um, I guess, coming together. It's a, it's a very like, homoerotic scene between Carrie and uh, Sugawara, hmm. and uh, this directly plays to um, the lesbian eroticism found in *Intimate Confessions of a Chinese Courtesan*. Because that film is largely uh, homoerotic. Right, right. No? So, random of my my views, uh, to sum up the film, we won't go into vending uh, such here, but, uh, you know, again, the story beats are the the slight theme in the movie. You know, (laughs) meaning nothing at the same time. So, you know, about, like, can Kitty find her humanity again? Will she lost? Will she numb? (laughs) And will Jam find his mojo again? (laughs) Literally and uh, uh, <laughs> thematically, you know, will he be able to fire a gun again? Because that—that's the thing. He can't fire his gun either. Right. He's uh, he killed his brother, so he can't fire a gun, and his uh, penis doesn't work either. So, <laughs> bonus. Mm, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but it—it it, it will work eventually. You yeah. know, obviously, the rules of movies dictate that uh, eventually these two crucial uh, oh, disadvantages sh- will prove to be advantages. Sure, sure. And then, and then uh, the gun is like the extension of the male penis, yeah. as 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 they say. Yeah, that's a that's a. So they simple. both end up firing, you know, eventually. Yep. Yeah. But but it's all wrapped up for me in in a superbly stylish film with incredibly looking and dangerous women. You know, I I I I'm scared of women who shoots cocks. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't you be? And it's it's all free flowing and everything is flowing also literally in the film. You know, the movie just throws a lot on the wall, you know, stylish wise, and yeah. it, a lot of it sticks, and it's a true blast. Uh, it's a kind of modern Wucha reality because it's so hyper real as we said mm-hmm. and it's which makes the Shaw Brothers connection genuine because it's a period movie Intimate Confessions of a Chinese Court Song but it's also like it adheres to you know fantasy swordplay rules you know it has it has you know uh, I don't think there was much of a Y action but I, if I remember correctly that you know it could be argued to be a Wucha swordplay type of movie and uh, adhering to those uh, kind of rules you know right, almost, right. almost supernatural rules but uh, uh, but um, it, it's a Hong Kong movie Naked Killer feeling very thought out in terms of structure rather than, rather than to be randomly all over the place you know right. a la, a la, a la my, my Lucky Stars uh, that has you know pe- peeping comedy uh, you know lecherous comedy and action and uh, drama as well so and it comes together incredibly well I think uh, Naked Killer by the end you know I, I think it, Wong Jing's first production uh, from his production house really came came together well and they, they should be applauded for it definitely definitely any other beats uh, beats highlights you, you want to want to mention the, no I think I think we, we we covered pretty much uh, the 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 better parts uh, the more fun parts of uh, yeah. of the film I want to see the Malaysian version just to see if it's <laughs> as, as fucked up as it sounds you know a happy ending she's an undercover cop huh? uh, only runs 60 minutes it, it's uh, yeah, it, it's quite short. The German tape was uh, on 80 minutes or so, oh, we, wow. we, we, which might be due to additional German censoring as well. But uh, yeah, right. Who knows? It might turn up. It would be. It would have. It would have been a great bonus on like a special edition if they could find it. Or, but it's probably not found easy. Easy. Mm-hmm. And uh, people putting out Naked Hiller probably didn't think it was worth uh, finding. And uh, I, I wouldn't blame them. But uh, they, they got the mention 
in uh, of it on the commentary on the Hong Kong Legends DVD, which uh, features uh, Clarence Falk and uh, Hong Kong stuntman and the uh, movie critic uh, Jude Poyer. Cool. Which has uh, uh, he's been in a, uh, a few Hong Kong movies, most notably I think he's been in Black Sheep Affair. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, notably, notably he's uh, he can be seen as one of the stuntmen and has uh, spoken about uh, spoken about his experiences working for uh, Ching Sudong. So I, I recommend the Hong Kong Legends DVD of it. So because uh, there are some good bonuses on the interviews with uh, Clarence Falk, Simon Yam, Wong Jing, and also the commentary. So. So right there on. you go. No Ching Miao interview, unfortunately, but uh, maybe she's not keen to talk of her past experiences. She's living presumably a very different life now and yeah. uh, has left the industry behind. And good on her. We still have the memory. We don't need her to explain the memories necessarily. Right on. You know, so there you go. Right, though. Last segment's coming up. Last le- sleazy movies watched. So uh, prepare your. Maybe, you know, as it's the last segment you've suffered with us this far. Bring in an adult beverage of sorts and have fun with us during the last segment. I, I know I will actually. So. Last Lisa movies watched coming up. Thanks everybody. So, welcome back. Have you got your adult beverages? I have. <laughs> I don't know if you picked up on that sound, but uh, cheers, everybody. <laughs> so, last Lazy Movies watched, and Mr. King Who, Sifu King Who. All right. What was the last Lazy Movies watched? Was Less. it sleazy? It was sleazy. It was sleazy. tasteless. It was a piece of shit. And it, was a, <laughs> it was a lovely piece of shit. I love it. Um... <laughs> And keeping with our, our show's theme, I guess, so far, like the exploitation of women uh, that leads Drink to Drink when eventual... women are exploited. <laughs> <laughs> that leads to their eventual empowerment and final triumph over men. Um, I will be speaking about a wonderful Taiwanese-produced Category 3 film, and it's called Another Piece of Romance from 1994. Oh, another one. Oh, yeah. You know. Appar- apparently another one. <laughs> <laughs> another one. I, I didn't see the first one, if there was a first one, but... This a, a, a piece of romance was that the first one, <laughs> and, and or rather maybe Moments this is the romance. fourth. It's maybe a, maybe a, this a is the fourth. The yeah, first yeah. one was a romance. Second one was uh, uh, I, a I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so uh, th- though it's Taiwanese produced, uh, the film was populated by some Hong Kong talent, and uh, our show's mascot Charlie Cho makes a fun appearance. Woo! Woo! And uh, one of my absolute favorite Category Three actors is uh, Chan Wing Chi. Uh, uh, she was in one of your favorites from last year, Can False Lady. Yeah, she's a wonderful yeah, and she fucking rocked in that film. Yeah, playing a and, uh, man, playing Lee Chung Ling very well because that that was what she did. Yeah, yeah, she's playing uh, Ellen Barkin's character from uh, Blake Edwards' uh, Switch. film Switch. So uh, a few other character actors are in the film, uh, no, no, noticeable: um, Wu Fong, uh, Chun Wang, and uh, and uh, Gan Biu. Gan Biu is usually a uh, no, yeah. category three sleazeball. Can I just ask you something? Does Wu Feng play an inspector or an uncle? Well, Wu Feng plays ah, shit. A rapist. <laughs> um, in fact, uh, he's he's a pedophile. 
Oh. If, if you would believe. Yeah, I'll get to a little bit later. Well, he's got the glasses. So. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, what what a lovely title another piece of romance is, right? It's maybe a romantic comedy, you think? It has romance right in the title. Maybe Wong Jing produced starring Ching Miao. You never know. Before <laughs> you bite. Yeah. Oh, no. This is this is not a rom- romance film. This is no romantic comedy. This is an off-the-wall adult tale. And... um. It's most definitely not for everyone. And, and being Category 3, it has a ton of nudity and sexual uh, shenanigans, if you will. Mm. And this is a fucking bizarre affair. You know, it's, it throws a little bit of uh, black magic in there. Yes. There's a, there's a special surprise uh, that I'll get to later on. And uh, I'll give you a hint, Ken. Um, this film would make a great double bill with the Chin Brother film, Hero Dream, if you get my drift. Uh-oh. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. <laughs> Say yeah, no more. <laughs> we'll get to that a bit later. All right, so let me, let me set the, the, the story up a, a little bit. Um, the, the film takes place in Thailand, and uh, where, it's where we meet Gan Biu. He's a businessman who enlists a feng shui master or a sorcerer from uh, the mainland to assist him with acquiring a powerful vase from a rival of his named Dickie. And uh, Gambiu has a Dickio. It's apropos, believe me. And uh, Gambiu has his own vase, but he goes on to explain to us and the sorcerer that his vase, or bottle as he calls it, and Dickie's bottle are twin pieces of art known as love-making bottles. So he further tells us uh, that a sacred monk took the secretions of 500 boys and 500 girls <laughs> and, and mixed these secretions with sacred mud from Tibet to make these two bottles. Yeah. So, and once these uh, two bottles are reunited, they're merged, their sexual power will transfer to their owner. And Gambiu really, 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 really wants to birth the son. <laughs> so, you know, he, he needs these two bottles in his, pos- in his, in his possession. So he enlists the sorcerer. The sorcerer takes a, a little uh, a visit to Dickie's house to kind of dupe him out of the bottles, you know, telling him that, oh, you don't, you don't need this bottle. It's bad luck. But Dickie sees the bottle as nothing but good luck. He's, had a good, he's on a good hot sexual streak. You know, so this, this bottle is, is, is his business. And uh, he summarily dismisses the sorcerer as a fraud. As a fraud. So uh, the sorcerer is now pissed. And one thing we've learned in Hong Kong movies over the years is that you never, under any circumstances feed sorcerers after midnight no okay you know, that was a little bit of a joke yeah um so you you never ever piss off a sorcerer so dicky crossed the wrong guy here and the sorcerer you, you may turn into a dickhead yeah <laughs> that yeah. that is true holy shit I, I i didn't think of that but yeah you you might turn into a, a cock um so uh and this is a this is a very a big a big penis film this this is like one big penis joke film and uh, well, the guy's name is Dickie, and uh, I'll 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 speak on. But uh, so the sorcerer decides to show Dickie a thing or two, and uh, he kind of casts a pox on all of the male, um, quote unquote, members of of Dickie's family. And uh, now the fun actually b- begins. This is like the first ten minutes of the film I just described. Sweet, sweet, now, s- simple, quick setup. Oh man, and now the fun with kids. So so Dickie's wife, Dickie knows that a uh, little Dickie is fooling around on her, so she forms this kind of. Uh, this a uh, female uh, support group with a bunch, a bunch of her Yenta friends, you know, whose husbands are also stepping out on them. So, um, if you are familiar with the old TV show, the old American TV show, Our Gang, the gang had an all-male club they called the He-Man Woman Haters Club. Well, Dickie's wife kind of forms this club that's the the total antithesis of that club, like the the, the She-Ra Man Haters Club. <laughs> so they they get they get together and they discuss their their cheating husbands, and Dickie's wife thinks all of the uh, the cheated wives should take a stand against their men, you know, and, and request that uh, if, if any of the ladies in the club find their man cheating, 
as as Dickie's wife explains to us, fight hard or cut off his dick. Yikes. You know, very very defined about that. So so Dickie's wife hands out scissors to all uh, of the other wives, and the nuttiness unfolds. And uh, whoa, <laughs> whoa, Nelly, man! From here on in, we are treated to a bunch of like these lengthy vignettes of just just ribald behavior. It's 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 really it's nasty, but it, it's funny. And uh, so we, we follow a, a handful of Dickie's male family members as they run amok with their extracurricular ladies, with their with their wives following close behind, trying to catch them in the act. And uh, man, they do they ever catch them in the act? Without without you know giving the entire film away, you can see you know where, where the film's headed. Uh, I can just ramble on you know for for hours on this film. This is insanity. So I'll just I'll point out a few um, choice scenes here. And uh, one of Dickie's male family members, a cousin, a brother, who who the fuck knows? Um, well, he he runs a duck farm, so he starts to kick it with this uh, young young tart that works on the farm. And they, they start getting it on, and, uh, you know, it's a nice full-blown sex scene, you know, nudity, boobies. It's, it's really built up for the Category 3 fans. It's, it's, a, it's a good scene. So the guy's wife sneaks up on him, and mid-coitus, she just shears off the husband's cock. Yipes. Yeah, yeah. So blood spurting everywhere on, the, on, on, his, uh, on his lover. And, you know, and, and that's not all. She, the, the wife takes the dismembered member, if you will, and chucks it into a flock of ducks. <laughs> <laughs> So then you actually see the, the schmeckle rolling on the ground <laughs> before a duck picks it up and runs away with it in its bill. That's what you hear throughout the scene is. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and the guy, the guy starts running after the ducks, holding on to his, you know, his wound, and there's blood gushing down his legs, and he's yelling, Ducks, give me back my dick. It's not, it's not tasty at all. Give it back to me. I don't, don't want to be a eunuch. So it's, it's quite a scene, man. And, oh, man, that's, that's like the gist of, like, every little vignette, you know, the comeuppance of, of the cheating male, and it's it's really it's it's in such poor taste, but it's so damn entertaining. And uh, let's I like to mention Charlie Cho for a bit. Our uh, our, okay. our good buddy Charlie Cho is uh, he plays one of Dickie's brothers, and we first see Charlie strutting around this nudie bar. You know, it's it's a proper place to uh, to introduce our, our friend Charles here. <laughs> it's a <laughs> it's a it's a sex club where the the performers they they get it on on stage. So Chucky meets his uh, lady friend uh, at, at, this, uh, at this place, and they get it on in the audience. You know, so as you know, the people on stage are having sex, he's having sex in the audience while, while uh, his wife is kind of like secretly in the corner planning her vengeance. So uh, later on in, in, in the movie, Charlie exclaims to uh, his lover, I give you my life and my dick. <laughs> oh, how so, sweet. <laughs> uh, right? He's, he's, he's so good with words. So uh, we cut to a scene where Charlie and his lady are... Um, they're on a boat, and you know they're getting their getting their, uh, their their thing on, and enter Charlie's wife with her trusty pair of scissors, and <laughs> snip. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. So she then pretends to throw Charles Winky into the water. So Charlie dives in after it, looking for his cock. But what his wife actually does, you know, this this would make uh, Anthony Wong's character in Untold Story very very proud. She takes the, the, the cock, stuffs it into a meat grinder, and just grinds it up. So uh, as Charlie is recovering in the hospital, his wife stops by for a visit, and she brings him his favorite food, a foot-long hot dog. So, <laughs> so Charlie, he's like begging his wife, please give me back my penis. You know, it's, it's not too late for the doctors to reattach it. Please, please. And she's just like, tut, you know, tut-tut, just, uh, just eat your food. You know, we'll, t- we'll talk about it later. So Charlie's chowing down on his, on his foot-long, and um, he's like, you know, so pleading with his wife, please give it back to me. Please give it back to me. And as he finishes the hot dog, the wife turns to him and says, 
I already gave it back to you. You just ate it. So Charlie was fed his own cock. <laughs> and it's crazy. The movie goes about, you know, in, in this fashion where each each male family member gets like a 15-minute vignette or, or so that, that ends up with their, their schmeckles being cut off by their wives. Another piece of that instead. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and, and I mean it's it's really it's it's really it's in poor taste, but it's so funny. And uh, like, like other, another guy's penis gets cut off and flushed down the toilet. And there's a there's a funny like penis transplant scene, like like in Sex and Zen, where a dog's penis is transplanted to the guy, and then the guy with the dog's penis now begins to act like a dog. He's like barking and growling, and he lifts his leg to pee. It's just it's ridiculous. So we, uh, we have a theme for the show all of a sudden here, you know, cocks being shot off and yeah, yeah, chopped like, off wait, and shit like that. It's 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 a running theme we have, and it's cool like that. The the ladies are kind of turning the tables on on the the misogyny that they usually see that we usually see in in, in category three films, even though they're exploited and they're naked and getting banged throughout these films. They're um they're they they become the aggressors or the, or the victors in the in these films. I want to know one thing because I'm I'm looking at the Hong Kong movie database and the sole picture of uh, Charlie. I'm I'm sending a link as we speak. He's in a net of some sort. It's just a small picture. You can see some... Right, uh, right, right. Explain the context of him being in the net and looking so manically happy to be in a net. That's actually... It's a a horrified uh, look on Charlie's face. That's his... his, Yes, his cock just got chopped off and he's on a boat, like a fishing boat. So I guess there's a net on on the fishing boat and it just drops on him and... uh, (laughs) <laughs> that, yeah, that that was that was it, yeah. He's 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 shocked and horrified. <laughs> because it looks like that. Yeah, I'm in a category three movie again. That, <laughs> that that's the look of a Charlie, yeah. uh, out of context. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Wu Feng, like I said, he plays a pedophile, which is uh, always a, a a great character in a, in a film. Ah, oh, good lord. So um, it's it's just it's a it's it's so tasteless and it's it's in poor taste. And um, there's there's a line. He's he's on the phone setting up like a, a meeting with his pimp, and he says to the pimp. The best is not older than 16. 12 years older. 12 years old are the best. And that's not funny. That's not funny. That's fucking, that's ridiculous. That's, that's insane. But that's, you know, you know pedophilia, that, that old chestnut. Let's, you know, let's go back to that, uh, that well. Not it's terrible. Cha- no, not chained in a basement and getting killed off by, you know. No, no, this guy's out, out in society. And there's a scene where his wife follows him to this tryst. Where he kind of he 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 takes this girl to a junkyard and 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 rapes her, and it's, it's a schoolgirl. I mean, granted, she's like, of course, she's of age for you know film purposes, but you know, it's 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 totally tasteless, totally tasteless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so there is that. And uh, okay, you know, last but not least, and I mentioned to you earlier about uh, this film making a great double bill with Hero Dream. And for yes. those of 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 you out there who are not uh, familiar with Hero Dream. It's an action film, and it's, uh, it was made around, I guess, made around the same time as this film, and it also takes place in Thailand. Um, <laughs> the brothers Chin, Siu Ho, and Karlok are in the film, as well as Carrie Ohm. Yes. And uh, anyway, Hero Dream was notorious for having um, full frontal transvestite nudity. Yes, sir. So, you know, that being said, while this film doesn't have full frontal tranny nudity, <laughs> there are enough topless transvestites running around, you know, to make a casual film goer shit his pants and of course again Ty oh yes Try. yes exactly exactly and Dickie one of the, the, the main characters in the film you know good, good old Dickie his, his, uh, he's cheating on his wife with one of the 
popular trannies of, of, of the area who looks like Anita Moy. And in <laughs> fact, her name is Anita Moy in the film. And what's, what's eerie is that uh, she actually fucking looks like Anita Moy. Really? Yeah, yeah. And she's like this, this transsexual Anita, po- Anita Moy um, performer. So that's, that's Dickie's, uh, Dickie's lover. Dickie really digs Anita Moy. So wow. he'll, he'll take a male version. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> and, uh, that that character, if I'm reading the uh, Hong Kong movie database correctly, uh, Dicky is uh, Peter Yang Kwan. Yes. And uh, I, you know, I, I've seen him in various movies playing bad guys and all of that. But I I got a, an appreciation for him as an actor way back when working in swordplay dramas for director Joseph Kuo. Joseph Kuo is the director of Mystery of Chess Boxing and Seven Grandmasters. But Early on, he directed really good swordplay dramas. Peter was really good in them, and also has a comedic part in uh, Sam Hung's Enter the Fat Dragon. Mm, uh, yeah. So, so P- Peter's talented. As he grew older and a bit bigger, uh, not not fatter, but uh, it got bigger, right, right. Uh, sort of, and became presence as well. He was kind of relegated to bad guy roles and obviously low budget roles such as this not saying this is a bad 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 role as such no, but no. Uh, you know he, he he had different careers at one point you know yeah yes yeah, yeah and he's he's actually he's, it's a comedic role he's very good in the film and uh like i said it's it's uh it's a good double bill with hero dream and so if you know if you're into the, this sort of thing and i i won't judge you because i have a, I have a story for you ken uh, when Wei and I went to San Francisco for our first time, we went to this popular restaurant called Asia SF, and it's this restaurant where these transsexuals they 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 perform popular songs on the bar top. It's it's really it's it's fun. It's it's really fun. But they're they're also servers. They're they're your waiter slash waitress. You know, so they they serve you your food. So uh, you know, Ken, I, I I know what the deal was, and I'm secure enough in my masculinity to say this, but some of these dudes were hot. <laughs> you know what I mean, and and yeah, Wayne knew the, Wayne knew the deal as well, and she actually said to me, "Well, that that girl over there is really pretty," and I said, "Way, that girl over there has a cock." That's a dude. <laughs> yeah, man, it was it was crazy, you know. So I, I won't behoove you if you're if you're into uh, the, these these sort of things, but because it's this movie, it's a cool movie, and I I, I kind of chose this film because it does go hand in hand with uh, a few of the films that we discussed earlier, yeah. and you know, it, like I said earlier, it, it does exploit women. To an extent, but the women turn the tables on the men and end up being the, the stronger characters, the, the victors in the end. Yeah, yeah you have to go to Taiwan to find that movie. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder it's, it's, if, uh, wonder if, uh, like the director Lo Yun Lo Yun Young is maybe female. You never know. Yeah, you never know, and that's the only credit, you know. Yes, sir. Uh, this film, yeah. So I don't know. It's it's a it's a fun movie, and there's, there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just madness. It's it's totally un PC. And um, I've seen the laser disc available on eBay, and um, I think I've seen it on a torrent site. I'm not sure which one. So if if you if you are interested in this uh, this really tasteless exercise, then uh, definitely seek this one out. It's it's weird stuff. It's it's a goodie. And I am now very interested. <laughs> uh, I don't know if my uh, podcast uh, Sifu uh, Stewart has watched uh, Hero Dream uh, because he's a great fan of Chin Kalok. Uh, mm. he, d- he does know of the content, but I'm not sure he's watched it yet. But uh, it's I hope a very different, he will. Yeah, yeah. very different Chin Kalok film. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Chin Siho even has a sex scene in that movie. So yeah, yeah. There you go. And uh, w- w- one of my favorite moments in Hero Dream is uh, the henchmen that fall over on cue. <laughs> it's very like very direct you know it's, you know from one angle from one shot so someone shoots like 10 20 bullets and they all 
fall over very, fall, right? uh, <laughs> n- not with a delay as such, but just fall over very coordinated. <laughs> and they, it has Miami Vice music as well, I remember. Yeah, we, we that, could, that uh, theme, you know, that that Miami Vice theme, not obscure music from season that, two, yeah, episode thirteen, one. you know, yeah. you know, that rocking theme. Uh, right, we, we could do a whole show on that on that movie. That's a that's a great movie. <laughs> Thirty <laughs> minutes on the tranny. So, dissect <laughs> the tranny scene. <laughs> what what subtext is here? You know. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> when I get going and start start writing about the movie, when I uh, when I watch it and review it, you never know. I might feel half an hour, and together with you, you know. Oh, so. definitely, yeah. Yep. Uh, alrighty. Alright. My my pick. Okay, Devil's Love. Mm-hmm. Not you know as you say this way, Robert. Devil's Love. <laughs> <laughs> a title that doesn't make a lick of sense at all. <laughs> There's no devil. It's a bit of love in there, but yeah, if you, I don't know. It, it, it's it's got to be explained. I'm not convinced it was released as Devil's Love or this way, mm. because the and I'll explain why the alias on Hong Kong Movie Database is his way, her way, their ways, and looking at evidence presented in Devil's Love, I, I don't think there's an English credit on screen. I, I might have missed it, but anyway, it might have been released with the his, her, their title mm-hmm. uh, with a tinge of it has a tinge of the Her Fatal Ways movies and that's where it is yeah. this is a Her Fatal Ways clone uh, and Her Fatal Ways was the uh, series of four movies directed by Alfred Chung featuring uh, Carol Dodo Sheng as this mainland cop coming to Hong Kong going to Taiwan sometimes to solve crime and hilarity ensues with the fish out of water mm-hmm. uh, uh, jokes and her as a very patriotic mainlander coming to capitalistic Hong Kong yeah. and, and it's great I think it's one of Dodo's uh, signature roles I think it's really good and it's Sing Sound movies too really professional movies so you get to hear you know, when it comes to his her fate, fatal ways free, which is set in Taiwan, you get you know the correct language. Therefore, mm-hmm. it's all almost all Mandarin, I believe. So um, anyway, back to Devil's uh, Love. Uh, it has a category three rating, and it's correctly rated category three. But uh, I'll explain why it's um, it's it's confusing and uh, why it should have been called his way, her way, their ways instead. So a trio of mainland cops played by Wuma, the great Wuma, Frankie Chan, the muscular Frankie Chan that people might have seen in Magic Cop, mm. and Sarah Lee, an actress I'm not too familiar with. Uh, they go to Hong Kong to assist the local cops uh, played by Wisely and Yukari Oshima, Wisely of A Better Tomorrow and Bulleted Hair fame. And of course, I, I, I'm, it always makes me laugh and chuckle to myself that Wisely played Wisely. Yeah, in, yeah, right, right. In uh, The Cat, <laughs> the famous Wisely character as created by um, uh, Nai Fong or Yi Kuang, uh, featured in The Seventh Curse and uh, Wesley's Mysterious Files. But the Wisely played Wisely in The Cat, so that, that's always fun. And uh, they, these mainland cops go to Hong Kong to assist the local cops in a case uh, involving female uh, trafficking. And the expected differences in working methods, fish out of water gags, and mild hilarity ensue. And occasionally, we're also treated to a view from the inside of the smuggler's lair where new arrivals are trained and raped. And, but one of the henchmen takes pity on one of them and plans to take her away. So, this is credited to two directors, which have 
together a little fame attached to their names. <laughs> I think one of the one of the directors had a movie called A Wild Party. Yes. Uh, as a credit as director on that. And, Pauline uh, that's, Chan. Pauline Chan was in that, yeah. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yes, I have it. Yeah. Do you remember anything from it? W- was it a wild party? No, it was not a wild party. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> uh, so, and and uh, little in Devil's Love changes the fact that these directors don't have fame to their names. But uh, some scenes are very amusing, and, and there's a ten-minute scene uh, that is, uh, I I laughed till I cried. Really. <laughs> uh, I, it was hilarious because again, the mainlanders are not very uh, clued into uh, modern technology and uh, really modern <laughs> policing. I mean, f- first of all, Wu Ma's character he doesn't duck when robbers are shooting at him <laughs> I don't like, guns well I'm a mainlander I, I don't know what's he thinking I'm a mainlander I'm, I can take bullets this is capital, capitalist Hong Kong and I won't duck for bullets he, 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 that, that's his line throughout the movie like this damn capitalist Hong Kong no logic in capitalism but the, the, the tour de force scene is uh, they are the entire trio of mainland cops are are forced to live with uh, Yukari Oshima's character and when it's comes nighttime, uh, Wu Ma is having a bath, and uh, and there it starts with a very lame joke that involves, like, he sees the toilet brush when he's in the bath. Ooh, I can clean myself with this, <laughs> and, you know, hilarity ensues. Funny in its own right, and um, and when he gets out of the bath, uh, when uh, Yukari Oshima sees, you know, the bath when the water is drained, it's filled with, you know, a, a ton of dirt. You know, so it's the mainland is so dirty. Uh, and uh, eventually you got to brush your teeth as well, obviously. So Wuma, <laughs> Wuma sees uh, Yukari Oshima using her electric teeth brush. And uh, the thing is kind of s- all the way into her mouth. So he doesn't see like... Uh, that's what he sees. Okay. <laughs> so when it comes time to for him to... Uh, I'm not explaining this very well, I think. But uh, fuck it. When it comes time to him to brush his teeth, he sees in the little uh, basket she has by the mirror with the, the various uh, uh, to- toilet equipment, <laughs> to- toothbrush. She has, for some reason, her vibrator in that basket. And Wuma picks it up, and this looks like it. Apparently you brush your teeth with it. Well, there's no logic in capitalism. That's his quote. So he <laughs> he puts toothpaste on the fucking vibrator and starts brushing his teeth. And he's entirely uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, then Peter, uh, Frankie Chan, uh, rather, comes in and like, oh, you're using it wrong. So he like uh, pours water on it and a lot of toothpaste and starts like jamming it into his mouth, basically, and brushing his teeth that way. And we're like, oh, I get it, I get it. And there's the visual of that and Yukari Oshima walking in on them, looking at that mad sight of one of them having her vibrator in his mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a hilarious scene. Wuma <laughs> is so funny in this scene. And it's a shame the movie doesn't live up to that fully. Because uh, it, it's an amusing time on its own overall, you know. Uh, and uh, as they try to find like the smugglers. So you know, it gets a pause. But how this is even category three is inserted at three or four points are mm-hmm. lengthy, unsubtitled, <laughs> remember the rest of the movie subtitled, uh, sex scenes from inside the smuggler's lair that never ever interacts with the rest of the movie. It's spliced in, inserted to make it category three seemingly. Either during the cinema run 
or on video. Mm. I, I don't know why. And regardless, it's an IFD-style category-free movie where they insert, you know, the good stuff. Although, you know, when they insert the ninjas into uh, the IFD movies, you know, right. they insert the good stuff into other crap movie, usually crap movie. This isn't overall a crap movie initially, but it never, ever, ever interacts with the rest of the movies. Wisely, Wuma, Yukari Oshima are appearing for all intents and purposes in a regular Cat 2 movie, really. Right, right. Uh, and uh, I don't know if... It, it's a minor curiosity, actually, to see to see this uh, this uh, cut, and, cut and paste, cut and place uh, technique in this uh, Her Fatal Way clone, uh, Her Fatal Ways clone. And the, the only time they interact, actually, is during the ending when uh, when uh, the henchman, the young henchman, has uh, run away with uh, one of the girls in the... Uh, uh, that uh, the smugglers has picked up. They supposedly look at what's happening on a beach nearby. <laughs> Essentially, like, oh, they made it. Mm. Okay, let's kiss and make up. Uh, no, not kiss and make up, but kiss and run, walk away in the sunset. Essentially, uh, it's it, it took me back. Like, whoa, cut them, pasted. Yeah, I can't get away from it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but 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 they will map to brushing scene is worth it it's absolutely hilarious because you know they don't it's not subtle you know when they start to brush with vibrator they start to brush but the, the, my favorite bit was when you know it, it, it hits his teeth you know the vibrator because it's obviously no brush on there and it's not and my favorite line there's no logic in capitalism therefore their their toothbrushes the honkies toothbrushes are like this so there you go did you ever watch the film Yes, yes, I, I did. I, I, re- I really dug it. Same, uh, same reaction as you, definitely. I, I did a, I did a blog post on it as well. I'm sure we'll, we'll post that, you know, when we, when we uh, post this, uh, uh, the podcast. Yeah, sure. it, it's, a, it's a fun film, definitely a fun film. And the, what, what always made me laugh, just like what, what, what you, what made you laugh is uh, the, the vibrator scene. That is just, it's so out there. It's too much. And the, the clanking of the teeth uh, against the vibrator. Oh shit, that's so funny. <laughs> and I also like, like the, like you said, the, uh, the smuggler's layer. It is so cheap and cheesy. Like the smuggler, the smuggler's layer is like um, uh, the, the gra- uh, graffiti all over. Yeah, the, the graffiti walls, all over like... the walls. That there was like one shot of a wall and just graffiti all over it, and that was yep. each scene. <laughs> you know, it was shot, so cheap. Shot against and... a wall. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's kind of like it's it, it's it played for laughs uh, two times really. There, there is a rape in the second scene. Right, right. But the first scene is like uh, one of the there's basically three henchmen. Okay, the main one. Uh, has his uh, young henchman uh, have sex with the girls and he, he seems to be, remember this was not subtitled, he mm. seems to be teaching them when they eventually become hookers how to have sex to please the clients you know. That old, that old tri- the, that chestnut, the, the yeah. whore training sequence yeah. Exactly and it's played for laughs then the second scene is really nasty when he just r- rapes this poor girl and then the third or fourth I think he had one of the girls tied to this like um, boat steering wheel mm. uh, he didn't spin her around anything but they was t- he, she was tied to that with you know, yeah, yeah. thick thick ropes uh, um, and it didn't really need subtitles for you to get what's going on really <laughs> right. uh, and it's not the case of them missing it I mean it's just inserted crudely and uh, you know it might have played that way in the, during the cinema run uh, to, because it's really short too it's only 82 minutes long so, I mean without right. those sex scenes I mean you would have a below 70 minute you know, uh, minutes movie. So yeah. I don't know if uh, if it's a case of 
unfinished cool. movie maybe or yeah unfinished know. and uh, you know sad story of Saigon turned into rape in public right. sea at one point right, so right. maybe it's a case of maybe it was released elsewhere as another movie and then when it came to Hong Kong they you know we gotta spice this up sex sex yeah. else uh, because that's what happened with uh, with uh, sad story of Saigon uh, right. uh, the Lam Ching Ying movie where he plays this modern uh, Satwichi style uh, character mm-hmm. uh, changed to rape in public scene <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and this uh, was made in 92 so that's kind of like where, right where the category 3 craze was so why not just squeeze another category 3 film into the theaters you know yeah exactly so make some money uh, you know I, w- when I first saw the first unsub scene I thought, you know, maybe it's a, a extended for home video because it sometimes it happened on on VCD and DVD and laserdisc mm-hmm. release, what have you. Uh, movies were longer than their cinema prints, right? And the longer scenes were never ever subtitled. Therefore, you had, you know, there's mm-hmm. a case, um, a rock on fire, aka girl on fire. Yes, yes. Has some extended uh, both necrophilia, <laughs> but also <laughs> yeah. extended sex scenes, and there is some minor dialogue in there that isn't subtitles. I think right. it's a case of you know they extended it on home video, but they didn't bother putting uh, subtitles on the few extra lines that uh, got inserted, uh, mm. which is fine in the case of uh, rock on fire. It's still uh, coherent. Sure. You you get that Stuart Ong is uh, performing necrophilia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> oh, all right, this is uh, weird, wacky Hong Kong cinema, <laughs> isn't it? Great, isn't it? I love it. Oh God, I live for it. Yeah. But uh, I think uh, on next show, the fifth one, I think unless we change our minds the, uh, along the way, I think we, we're going to do our first, at least, pr- for uh, proper track back to that we promised to the early days of exploitation and see what movie we might end up uh, on I, I've done some minor research and I think we essentially it, it is going to be at some some 60s movies at Shaw Brothers is a good starting point right. that might only have a second worth of tit mm-hmm. but it started <laughs> with something right. you know? so uh, I, I'm keen on doing that actually we might like mix mix it up and go back a little bit to the 90s and talk about some key movie maybe Rape by an Angel but um, I'm keen yeah. on uh, going back so all right that sounds good taking the trip so again to repeat our contact information from uh, five hours ago or however long (laughs) this podcast is (laughs) so this is uh, this week in sleaze on the podcast on fire network and our main site is podcastonfire.com and we have the friendly forum that is located on at podcastonfire.com slash forum home of the members only section that uh, you'll get access to as soon as you register you will have hours of extra content on there and the uh, twitter account for podcast on fire is twitter.com slash podcast on fire we uh, forgot to mention earlier we have a facebook uh, fan page so go to facebook.com type in podcast on fire you should see a search result that says podcast on fire network Um, my uh, review site in writing is sogoodreviews.com and my Twitter account therefore is twitter.com slash sogoodreviews my video reviews are embedded in the written reviews but it's all it's also on its own website called sleazykvideo.com and uh, your blogging and my blog is Bullets Over Chinatown you can find it at inthemoodforguaylo.blogspot.com guaylo g-w-a-i-l-o it's Hong Kong film junk and other related nonsense and food and food, yeah, food porn, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Righto. 
thank you everybody for listening thank you for the feedback uh, for the past episode we really really appreciate you listening and uh, letting us indulge and uh, hopefully um, inform you of some movies you didn't know of and uh, maybe get you to rewatch some movies you dismissed like we did with Naked Killer we dismissed yeah. it at one point and now we we like it hopefully we won't start <laughs> we won't hate it again you know <laughs> hopefully we'll say on the like and love side so there you go hopefully but uh, I've been one of your hosts this is uh, Sleazy K signing off and I'm um, King Who See you next time. Later.